listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. Okay, it's here. Um, for the first time in nearly six years, uh, we have a new album to talk about. Welcome to episode 92 of the Ants podcast. Um, I'm Matt out here in Seattle in Pittsburgh. There you are, Joe. It's so good to see your face. How are you, man? Good, man. Not too bad. I just uh, finished my four and a half hour drive back from Bristow. I have another three hours of driving to put in once we finish this podcast. So uh, today's a, today's not the best day. Wait, wait. After we record, you're leaving? Yeah. Got to go to the next stop. <laughs> you can't no, record I'm from not. the bus? <laughs> I am really, I, am really, I really do have to jump in the car after 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 record today is not, not today is not a fun day for driving for i didn't joe. know that well let me say thank you for making us making a special stop at home for for <laughs> ants podcast, podcast 92 I wanted to see your face well, and hear your voice well i'm flattered <laughs> well uh what are you drinking hopefully nothing alcoholic since you have to get back in the car uh, i'm not i'm gonna have one and i still have to pack and do stuff so by the time this wears off it'll be good all right, well, um, this is all on video, by the way, too. So when the cop pulls you over and you say it's been three right, hours. Well, I'm not gonna, and actually, what is the percentage in this? Oh, it's 15%. Anyway, I'm drinking some bourbon cream from Buffalo Trace um, Distillery. A little liqueur over ice will be will be my drink of choice. Bourbon to cream? Listen. Is that bourbon like, cream. would you say that's something like, an, uh, like a, a Bailey's? I would say it was something like a Bailey's, but with bourbon. Oh, man, I want to try that. Uh, it's very yummy. And I just splashed it everywhere. You didn't get to see that. But cheers. What are you drinking? Uh, same as last week. I'm going to do the again. It, it is, it's not super nice out. It, we have some sun um, coming in through the window over here. Um, but another Schaffer Hoffer, uh, grapefruit, Hefeweizen beer. It's just a really great, uh, it's just a really great mm, uh, summer shandy kind of beer. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. It looks perfect for you. Look, I can see the sun beating down on you. Where I'm at, it's nice and gloomy and dark. It's been raining. It's flooding. Getting warnings. It's like we're in two different worlds for sure, weather-wise at the moment. And I think our drinks probably probably match up for that. Yeah, we're worried about uh, weather for you, huh? We'll see if the power stays on throughout this podcast. If you lose me, sorry. Okay, we'll we'll know that either that or we're just tired of your opinion and we'll just. Oops, <laughs> just I think it, I think it dropped out, Joe. <laughs> Well, okay. Um, we got a lot to get to. Uh, if you're live streaming right now, you obviously can see our agenda. Uh, we have some tour uh, shows to talk about. Uh, interesting one last night, sure, that you were at, Joe. Um, we won't start there, but we've had four shows since our last pod. Um, so we've had uh, Syracuse, uh, DTE, Riverbend, and then last night out at Jiffy Lube Live. Joe, how many of those did you make? <laughs> I just made one. Of, uh, nope, I made two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check yourself. I made two of them. And it was really interesting because it was a three-night stand. It goes Syracuse, Detroit, Cincinnati, bam, 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 no break between. They're not, you know, they're in the same geographical area, but they're not necessarily really close. And kind of like a three-night stand mix-up, you know, kind of think Gorge, but, you know, not all at the same venue. So it was interesting to see what would they, what would they do with the set lists across those three shows. I was very interested to, to find out. And then, obviously, we had the album released the Friday after those three shows and then Bristow um, right at, right after. So there was a lot of very intriguing things of how these shows would set up set list-wise related to the album and related to the three-day set. Yeah, yeah. Um, how are you feeling out there? How Are, are you 
you feeling any any change over the shows that you've seen? I mean, you were at the opener, right? You've seen now you've kind of been on both ends of it in the first you know 10 or 11 shows that we've got so far. I would say the number one thing is Buddy is way more comfortable than when he started. He uh, smiles so much more. He, him and Dave go back and forth frequently during the show now. He, um, he loves to sing like kind of counterparts to Dave, either a call response or harmony or something. But um, he's way more, way more comfortable. I, they still don't have him very loud, so it's still hard to hear him. Actually, the vocals, I can see him singing a lot of times and I don't hear him. Um, but he's doing, he's very comfortable. He's doing it in the keys, you know, different parts, but I would say buddy's probably, um, made the biggest, biggest transition over the last Mm. six shows, way more confident. They've given him some solo parts even starts, you know, when the world ends all by himself. So, uh, I think, and she, he, he really shines in she. So, um, I'd say buddy's the biggest improvement. Well, um, you weren't at the DTE show, were you? No. That's currently um, rocking the highest show flow rating of the entire tour right now. It's it's it. We talked about it last week, how these shows seem to have a real low rating so far. Um, and what we've got, DTE rocking a 52% show flow, which in general is a pretty decent score. The only other show to even touch 40 was the Atlanta show, which was at 40%. So this is at 52 by a long shot, the most well-received uh, show of the tour. And then we kind of slip back down into the mid thirties with, with Riverbend and Jiffy Lube. I will say, Jiffy Lube, you have to you have to give at least some credit for the low score of thirty three percent to the short show and obviously not the band's fault. The right. band still chooses the songs, right? So I I still say, hey, look, I'm gonna the show flow is rating song by song. The show flow is not rating the show. So at the same time, people are rating the songs. It doesn't matter if they play two, four, six, eight, or twenty. Mm-hmm. You're rating it on a song by song basis. So that's a good. That's an interesting. Thank you for saying that because I wasn't really thinking about thinking about it that way. It is kind of arbitrary when it comes to length. If anything, you potentially have an advantage if you have less songs because maybe you less likely to pull out one of the one of the ones that are dragging down. Well, yeah, I mean, the rating, so there's the show flow and then there's a show rating and you could rate it on a five-star scale. Right. The rating is 2.86. It's like the lowest show ever. That I, that you can blame on the shortness of the show, I would say completely. But the show flow is a song by song. So still, um, Jiffy Lube comes out as the lowest rated show of the tour so far. Wow, so, that's interesting. Interesting data. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think like the Syracuse show, I think just set list wise, is was was a little was a little poor wasn't the most um exciting set list it had two tour debuts which you think hey that's gonna help it because when you compare it to the next show after that detroit it only had one tour debut so it wasn't anything about tour debuts it was just a really good flow really good set you know and i think you're going to talk about that later in the set list game you know maybe it has some influence over it but that was really highly rated and so what would that mean for the third show since it's like you had a kind of off show, then you had a really good show. What is that really going to play Cincinnati? And um, I think Cincinnati was was a decent show. I mean, everyone, people that were there really loved it, loved it. I don't know if it was my number one of the tour or anything like that. I, I would say no. But, um, you know, for those that were there, they absolutely loved it. And, I mean, I had fun. I thought it was a really good show. I, I, I wonder um, how you approach shows, Joe, and you go to them. <clears throat> because it, when I was – First going to a lot of shows a tour, right? Six, eight shows a tour back in the early 2000s. Um, I was clearly <clears throat> hoping for 
songs I hadn't seen before, rare songs. But I could certainly take a, a, a set that was right down the middle, pretty common, nothing that unusual, and still really enjoy it. Now, quite honestly, when the band's in this groove, is t- terms of the actual show, it's, eh, I'm there to see you, my buddies, just hang out with the crowd, right? right? Um, you've been to more shows than I have. Um, do you do you hope for anything, or is it just, that's just gone? You don't even consider. Maybe I'll hopefully I'll hear a, a rare thing tonight. Is that over? No, it's not over. I still definitely want to hear a rare thing. But I'm I mean, does that, that set you up for disappointment? I guess is my point. No, I don't. I, I make sure I always go in with kind of low expectations um, that I go in, go in not expecting it. Um, and if it happens, then I'm really excited. But yeah, if if I'm looking at adding a show, going to a show, you know, I'm not thinking about I'm going because I'm going to try to catch a rarity. Uh, like you said, usually going because uh, seeing people that I haven't seen in a long time, maybe only see them once a year. Um, and uh, then I happen to get a show with it, too. That's a nice little bonus. And let's see what happens. And I would say I, I, I look at it as. I like it when I don't hear a, a lot of the typical songs. I like when there's variety. You know, I've heard, I don't know, Gray Street probably, probably over a hundred times. That's my right? top song. Yeah, I don't, I don't. If so, if I don't get a Gray Street, I'm kind of actually excited because that means I got something else uh, in its place. So I like the variety more. And if I hear a lot of songs that are in my top twenty, I'm kind of like a little bummed, personal bummed that. You know, it was a lot of songs that I've heard before. No, that's kind of that's kind of how I am as well. Uh, you know, I even though I want to hear it, I wanna I want to hear the, the things I haven't heard. I want to hear the rare songs. It's become such a rarity where I am only setting myself up for disappointment if I really am truly hoping for it. Because no matter or not expectations, you're you're kind of building yourself up to that, even if right. you inadvertently, yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, so the the last night's show was uh, there's a weather uh, severe weather warning. I, I read tornado warning. I guess uh, this is her hearing this third hand uh, that some of the venue staff were telling people that it was canceled. Joe, did you hear that? At any nobody point? told it. Nobody told. No staff told us it was canceled at any point, and nobody w- walking out. I was actually stuck at the gate um, during this whole thing. So um, I got to see how many people left. It was kind of actually interesting to see how many people just bailed on the show. Um, and of everyone that w- bailed, they had to walk by us. Um, nobody said, nobody communicated when they were leaving that they were told that the show was so, was canceled. So as far as I know, I had, didn't hear any of that rumor. They just kept saying, well, we don't have any update. It's up to the band to decide. And when we know something, we'll tell you. That yeah, was you know, pretty the, much the update you know, the, for a while. The, the, the phenomena of the telephone game, you know, one person says it was canceled and half oh, right. the venue is going to hear that within right. 30 seconds. That, doesn't mean it was ever the case. And I'm guessing from the feel of it, that's probably what happened. What was weird is um, there was zero communication from DMB, um, from like their official DMB stuff like Twitter or any of the social media. At least not that I saw. I was monitoring DMB Twitter thinking I would, there would be some kind of thing. And it was just all come tomorrow stuff. There was nothing about, you know, the the, the ongoing events at the show. So, um, you know, Jiffy Lube, the venue, was kind of doing some updates. And even then, they were, you know, updates were scarce. It was once an hour. It's like, you know, you'd hope that even if it was the same same update, just kind of post no change, you know, same update, stay tuned for more. Um, so, yeah, definitely communication was poor um, related to getting people's updates. And um, somebody would come out with a megaphone and say something and right. nobody would hear it. If and everybody they would had freak like big loudspeakers they could use. Only, if only, if only. <laughs> no, 
We used a we used a megaphone that had some serious feedback, and you couldn't hear anything we were saying. So it was it was a little bit of a mess. But thankfully, the show ended up happening. Just so I think you were on wait. Twitter, right? And you ended up showing a picture of the plan set list. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had made the the comment, and I hate to hold you against your words here, but cher- they cherry picked the choice set list. Now was that choice fruit or rotten fruit that was cherry picked? I mean, because I saw some people wow. commenting saying, "Are you of all the things you you had listed there? What they pick? Like, why would you not open with Bob Law?" Uh, what what does the delay have to do with opening? I like don't drink the water for this. Oh no 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 no. Yeah. Overall overall, I'm not saying one for one like opener versus opener. But why would you not open with? Did they want to save it for like a full show? Yeah, I don't know why they didn't pick that one. Uh, maybe I, yeah, I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, of the ones they cut, they cut space between. Um, I know tripping billies. I know but again and again. Um, and 27 was the only one that I was hearing people that were kind of upset that 27 was was cut. Um, but of the ones that cut, I was like, you know, other than again, again, it would have been cool to be there. I mean, I wouldn't have traded any other ones. And, and some people say, oh, take out you and me and trade in one of the other ones. It's like, well, you and me isn't a one for one trade for some of those other songs. It's kind of a it's a filler. Same with maybe sister. They, they hold their they held their specific reason why they're in the set list and placeholder. They can't really just swap it out for a for a you know a crush or something like that so right. I, I was i i thought they picked the right ones for That's cool. the set i mean they could have just done the set from don't drink on um as they planned and just cut the first uh, whatever five songs but they cherry picked like some of the ones from the first five that they still wanted to play so what um, time were they off stage was it like quarter till i think it was quarter till so yeah quarter till so i've heard Curfew numbers from anywhere from eleven fifteen to eleven thirty. So they they definitely went over curfew. It's just a matter of how yeah, long. Curfew was eleven. Whoa. And I uh, yeah, curfew was definitely eleven. And uh, I was told by the venue management that they got an extension to ten uh, to eleven ten, and knowing that the band might kind of sneak it to eleven fifteen, and um, then pretty much Dave just said, "I'm going to keep playing until somebody takes us off the stage." He's like, "I'm uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to keep playing until somebody yells at us." And so they kept going. Well, I mean, what you got? Uh, I don't know if they ended up getting fined. And they just said, I don't know if they ended up getting fined and just were happy with paying the fine or yeah. how that all works out in the end. But um, Dave kept looking side stage after each song after 11 o'clock and he kept singling one more. Each time it was like, <laughs> one more, one more. And I guess nobody was saying no and he just kept doing it. So um, we were happy to keep uh, keep it going. Yeah, I, I feel I do feel bad for people who are there. I mean, it's not like you did get a shortened show, but it's not like you got a half show either. Because you you yeah. could have people really complaining about like ticket price or re, you know what I mean you could you can oh. really hear that if it gets too much lower than fifteen songs. Yeah, I, 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 and part of me thought that's what was going to happen is that we would get a half show or not even half we'd get like a one hour like bonus show yeah. where it would be like free because they'd be rescheduling it and we just get we get the, the real show then and so whatever we got was kind of a bonus show. Yep. Um, but by the time they were able to get two hours of playing in, you know, they weren't going to reschedule at that but point. Following up on our conversation from last week, <clears throat> even with the plan set list, it doesn't look like they were planning on flipping the switch and going going nuts with a, a Come Tomorrow focused show, right? It didn't. It didn't. Um, that was one of um, it's one of the things that maybe was thrown out there was would they could they just play a whole bunch of Come Tomorrow and in the, in the extreme case, play Come Tomorrow through play the play the album. Um, 
But yeah, they definitely didn't go. He- they didn't go heavy focus, which I would have probably predicted the opposite. I would have figured at least a couple more editions. We got that once with Away from the World. Is that right? Um, yeah, there was. I don't know if it was Away from the World. There was one album. It was I either think. Big Whiskey or Away from the World. That was one of the last two. Played it all, but I wasn't in order, right? Not in order. No, no. Yeah, I think it was Away from the World. I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, it was a good show. It was unique. Trust me. I don't, everybody's remembering and the energy, I don't know. It amped up everybody's energy. Cause when that band came on that definitely the loudest crowd, uh, I have heard in a long time and people were just ready. It was like the, the definition of anticipation, drawing out that anticipation for multiple hours of waiting. Yeah. And so when they finally hit the stage, there was this release of energy and at the band. And, um, I think one of our mods, Jen said that she was in the pit for two whole hours before they came out. it's a long time yes it is yes it is um so i guess that wraps up where we're at in the tour i think it's time to move on to our our second and main segment right now which is uh last friday of course come tomorrow came out we've had what two and change days to kind of marinate in it and listen to it and have our thoughts um i want to start out with a trigger warning for those out there listening some of those out there listening trigger warning the band is a musical act. It is art, right? So there are going to be judgments on that art. There are going to be differing opinions, and not all of the opinions are going to be rainbows, and this is the greatest thing ever. There is a certain subset of the fan base out there who looks to this band like a deity. There is no criticism to be had. If you do, there's something wrong with you. You should be shouted down. This is not the podcast for you. I'm sorry. If that's how you want to view this band and you want nothing but positivity, then go ahead and click disconnect right now. And that's all right. <laughs> if that's your choice and your freedom, okay? But you're going to hear critiques. You're going to hear good comments and bad comments when it comes to this album and any of the band's music, okay? There's been a ton of praise given to this band in a lot of different ways, directly from Joe and I. But I, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but when you look at a painting, when you look at that monstrosity behind Joe right now, chances are <laughs> some of you like it and some of you think it's just a ketchup and mustard to me. Hey! <laughs> but the point is, it's art and it's open to interpretation and opinions. And people who claim me or Joe or anybody's a hater, um, we've been running AntsMarching.org for 16 years. It is a Dave Matthews Band fan site, but it is not a sycophant site. We don't just give positive reviews. Okay, we all love this band. We want this band to be great. We want to enjoy every note this band plays. It's just not always so. So with that in mind, please just take that into context. This doesn't mean that your opinion is wrong. It doesn't mean that if you like it or hate it, that you're wrong or just in not on this planet Earth in some way. Realize that other people can have opinions, and if it doesn't jive with yours, that's okay. Thank you. That was very nicely said. Thank you, Matt, for saying that. I would, I would, I would ditto everything you said. The only thing I would, I would additionally add is, um, I, Matt, have no um, preconceived notion that our opinion means anything more than anyone else's opinion. This is strictly our opinion. It's equal as everyone else's. Mm-hmm. It's not doesn't carry any more voice. This is just us sharing our opinion. Would absolutely. you agree with that? Cool. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's why we're happy to have everybody joining us right now but it truly is just no more than two guys and and joe might be a, a, certainly a more informed opinion he's he's closer to the music and has been right 
we'll have come in after an off season and we'll do a podcast and I'll sit down and be like, okay, guys, fill me in on what we're talking about here. <laughs> um, certainly I'm closer to this band now than I have been in a number of years because of the album. I've been working on the hub app an awful lot. Um, yeah. So, uh, it, it is an exciting time for us, right? So the album is certainly something that we are both looking forward to big time. So we can't wait. We can't wait to chat about this, but we've got a lot to say. And I don't know, Joe and I were trying to decide how we're going to break this down. Um, I think we're just going to do song by song uh, and and see what see what y'all think, um, and then kind of wrap up and give our thoughts on the album. So, with that said, do you want to start with the? Uh, do you want to start off going? Uh, you want to do? You want to do over overarching album comments at where, the end or where I, at the start? Yeah, let me let me give a little context to where I am, right? Yeah. And I'm going to try to keep this super brief. Uh, Under the Table and Dreaming, Crash, Before the Crowded Streets, the big three certainly. Um, but other than that, I mean, you have a sound of the band. You have a sound that the band um, has cultivated. It, they, they bring in fusion of funk and jazz. Um, just a sound that really was so unique. Um, we all know what happened with the Lily White Sessions. And, and I might call back to this, but I really think that Unfortunately, we are reminded of how pivotal pivotal that development, that situation, that time in the band's career um, really ended up being. Uh, and then you've moved on to every day, and then Busted Stuff was kind of a correction, a snapback, a, a, a mea culpa in a, in a little bit of a way. The, the band probably wouldn't admit to that, but that's how I see it. Um, then you've got Stand Up, which is kind of... <sighs> kind of every day next step of that of that shaping and then you've got big whiskey which i think was fantastic and and went back to um maybe a more of the original three but maybe a little more polish to it a little less depth but not not incredibly it, it wasn't as free-flowing and jazzy as their previous works but it certainly had i thought a lot of good music on it and then you've got away from the world which was the return to lily white and um, I certainly don't like it as much as I liked it at the beginning, I think. Um, but go, thinking about it again and listening to the songs again, I still think was a, was a great album. Um, and so now we've had to wait our longest for, uh, for Come Tomorrow. We've heard some songs live. We're, it's, it's a very interesting lead up to this album. Um, and especially with the developments in the band personnel, uh, it's it, it's there's a lot that's unsaid that kind of gets spoken to by the album. So that's where I am right now. Joe, where okay. are you at? Well, I don't have quite the uh, I haven't done the uh, self reflection enough on the past albums. Um, I kind of I I mean I, I think I have those in the back of my mind, um, you know. But I kind of I definitely am looking at this um, at where the band is right now. I think I think maybe. I'm not focusing as much as where the band has been. Um, and I'm not as focused on comparing it to other albums as probably others are. Probably you are. Uh, I, I would say my review of it has been very focused just in the moment. Just this. The other, the other disclaimer I would say is, you know, any, here, we're getting into the reviews here. Unfortunately, I'm not a lyric listener, like in the sense of I don't listen too much to the words or get over focused about the words or the message I, I, I more go for the singing, the musical part of the voice and the singing, and that less about processing the words. Like, I have to actually stop and think about the words. It doesn't come naturally to me, so I'll just say that, um, you know, if you're a lyrical um, listener, probably review is going to be very different than than my review. 
That, that's a really good point. Um, and to, to, to follow up and, and kind of not counter, but add a little context, when you say you're not so much a comparer when you're thinking that you're living in a now, it's not yeah. so much that I'm saying this album had this song, but this album has this song. What's up with that? It's more or yeah. less, it's more or less the bar and the standard that I feel has been set in other ways that, that I don't see why that can't continue. Right. So it's more or less not exactly what's been on the album, but the, the levels that they've reached in the past yep. that I'm kind of, that I kind of would compare it to, I guess. Right. So it's not a direct comparison, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I, the only thing I'll add is I, I see some themes in this album. So what you're going to probably hear on my comments throughout these songs, <laughs> that's pointing to maybe one of his themes. That's not one of my themes, but the, uh, I think it's actually a pretty interesting, interesting observation. But my themes are, I mean, I, I call this album mature um, for like lack of a better word. Like, it's not at all goofy or party oriented. I mean, without again not reading all the lyrics, is this the first DMB album that doesn't have a reference to a monkey in it somewhere? Because I feel like every other album has some reference to a monkey somewhere. There, there, there's no. I don't think that's in here. It's not. It's it's a mature album, right? I think um, we also gave a lot of critique about this album that it was just going to be a mismatch, and maybe we'll talk about that more here, but I actually feel like now, having heard the album, that there is some flow, and maybe we could talk about that as we get into it, but, you know, this, this the stages of love, you know, and kind of, for the most part, is in order of the order of love within your life. Well, um, I, that's real interesting. And my, that, other, that, my other themes would be... I'm um, glad that you picked up on something, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you say on that, for sure. Uh, Theme-wise. Okay. and Yeah, the direction. Theme-wise. The other themes would just be, I'm disappointed there's three Dave solo songs, or oh. I'll call three Dave solo songs, on an album that's supposed to be DMB. Like, save those songs for a D- Dave solo album. Let's put more DMB on this album. Yep. Um, and then, in general, my MVP of this album, MVP band member, yep. is Stefan. I would, Stefan. I would completely agree with you. He is the MVP of this album. So those would be my initial trends, and I'll call out why I got to those trends as we as yep. we listen. I like it. And I would say uh, my trends are, uh, I think, um, again, I agree with you completely. Three Dave Solo songs. And I think I think even though that's all you can really consider Dave Solo songs, there are a lot of – there are other songs on the album that are still very much just Dave. Um, yep. And really to put a point on that, I sh- I have here people who are watching right now. <laughs> I found this on the side of a milk carton, but Jeff Coffin has gone missing, and if everybody has found him, I really would hope that I would hope that you you should call someone because by all rights he's one of the best saxophone players on the planet, and he's absolutely missing on this album. And there's one song that he actually flitters around with, and that's Black and Bluebird. I'm like, oh, there's Dave Matthews Band. Oh, hello. The rest of it. I, they could have brought me in the studio and filled the parts that the, uh, supposedly the sax parts. They are. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you'd waste a talent like that. Um, but let alone the three Dave solo songs, and then you've got the rest of the songs. Jeff doesn't even show up. Um, so yes, if you've seen this man, Jeff Coffin, please call somebody <laughs> because uh, he's on a milk carton right now. That's uh, hilarious. I almost feel like he got a hold of Black and Bluebird after it went to production. Press <laughs> snuck it in, and snuck, snuck in, in his there. track. Yep, yep, and no, it didn't tell anybody. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, and the Let's Dave, get it. Let's do it. The Dave Solo stuff, yeah. to your point, you've got the best drummer on the planet. Yeah, I know. You've got three songs. you got one. you got that girl as you or Dave is playing the drums. I mean, that's great, Dave. I love Dee I did. 
but I also love Sun Devil. Save it for your own album, really. Yeah. Don't waste these magical musicians. That is a musicians. perfect Dave Solo album song. I mean, I, I would rave about it, but on a DMB album, uh, I just want I want Carter. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, not to mention three out of the thirteen tracks because Bicka yeah. Dicka 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 is not is not a track. Right. Agreed. Okay. And I say that too. Yep. Okay. 13 tracks. And, he, and what's interesting is even the producers call it 13 tracks. Uh, so, yep. anyway. Yep. Okay. So, let's start off with Samurai Cop. Opening track produced by Rob Caballo and John Alasia. Um, yep. It was written, looking, it wasn't um, credited on the album, but looking um, at an ASCAP, the, the, uh, I don't know what it stands for, but where you can look up copyright song entries. Dave wrote the song. It was recorded at Studio X in Seattle. And on that song, uh, we have Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Tim, Rashawn. Elegia plays piano. Cavallo plays organ. You've got Gary Grant on trumpet and flug- flugelhorn. Dan Higgins on tenor sax. And Bill Reichenbach on trombone and bass trumpet. I may have to make one point here. The horn arrangements are arranged by Rashawn Ross. This is a theme that you're going to see throughout the album. Now, who knew that all those instruments were on it? Because I didn't hear any. But I mean, I, <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't hear any, but uh, I was surprised by the amount. Yeah, that's surprising to me. And so you're saying that they were all they were arranged by Rashawn, but he didn't actually play any of the parts. That's Other what it looks like. Them. Weird. Interesting. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They had studio musicians. No, no, no. Musicians. He's, he's on there. He's on oh, there. Oh, yeah, he is on there. You, you did see it. Yeah, you did see him. Yeah. But um, with some additions then, I guess. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean... I, I've, I've shared how I felt about this, I think, when the single came out, but I find it, um, I keep waiting for the song to go somewhere, and it doesn't. And what's really weird is that the, the band, on purpose or not, has kind of set the standard of, of starting off albums really robustly, really kicking you in the face. And I mean, I've went over and over and over again. I know it's not one of the most well-received songs, at least since it began to be played live, but Shake Me Like a Monkey... Rapunzel. That's the kind of stuff I want out of the beginning. Uh, broken things. Broken things I, yeah, is awesome. I get it. Yeah, I mean, we, and so we talked about this, but so, and I agreed on the last podcast when we when we heard Samurai Cop and we we broke it down with those comments. But now, given the full listen of the album and the context of it, I don't know that I like. I think it's probably the most appropriate opener now. Like, what other track on here would you do as an opener? And again, I see this album flow-wise of you know life and love within your life, and the beginning is obviously birth and the, the, the you know uh, being born or a new child being born, and I, that just seems like a very good opening, good fresh start. So I would say I changed my mind now from our last podcast. We knocked it. I knocked it as being an opening track, uh, but giving the full album context now, I think it fits as the opener. Well, with your question, what song would you rather have? Uh, something else in in this case, not another <laughs> something Nothing else from the album, like a not a song that we have that is not on here. You're saying probably, yeah. I don't really hmm. feel like there's a great opening track on this album. Well, um, and, okay, so and maybe that's what the context I'm giving of is it, the tracks that are of this album. If these are the tracks that are going to be on the album. And you have to choose an opening track from these tracks. Um. Uh. Um. That girl is you. Girl is you. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. It's how they've been opening shows. Kind of has an opening yeah. feel to it. But yeah. I, I like Samurai Cop. As well. I know we've already kind of done a bunch of reviews on this one, so maybe not as much. But you know, I know everyone was raving about when it first came out, like. The message was Carter, you know, Carter just slays this track. 
I'm, I'm not sure I'm going quite for the hype. I don't know. I mean, Carr is good on it, but I don't know if it's like harder hype. Um, and, I, and I've been on the record as saying I, I wish they recorded Dave's guitar better better in this. It yeah. just doesn't it doesn't sound good yeah. to me. Singing sounds great. Voice sounds great. Yeah. And I love the Timmy bridge that they've that instead of the horn bridge that they used to have, the Timmy bridge. I love it. Um, overall, I gave this song a rating of a B plus. Uh, you going? You going? You're going letters. We're going to letter grade. Um, I, it seemed a little bit more granular for me to be able to do letters because stars. I got a little. It's unless we could do like out of out of ten, ten it would have to be happy out of yeah, ten. Ten, yeah. But I uh, saw so I went letter grade. It seemed yeah. easier. For I was going to put it a five out of ten, so that would probably put it right at like a C for me. Yeah, C, probably yeah. a C. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, then it uh, brings us on to uh, our next one here. Um, loud. So like obviously it. can't stop, right? Um, yeah. This uh, was produced by Mark Batson. It was written by Mark Batson, Carter Beaufort, Stephen Lassard, Dave Matthews, Leroy Moore, Boyd Tinsley. Recorded at Haunted Hollow in Charlottesville. The personnel are Carter, Dave, Stefan, Leroy shows up as an alto sax on this. Rashawn's on trumpet, and then Batson and Butch Taylor are on piano. Butch um, Taylor, yeah, Butch. So why don't you go first on this one, Jake? Uh, Jake, Joe. <laughs> I would say, you know, overall, my my number one on this is Carter is awesome on this track. I love Carter on this, on this. And, you know, I think the song, historically, it's gotten better from where it was. Before it was Stefan-focused song, you know, that kind of, that, that bass line. And now I completely think the focus is Carter on it, and I love it. I like the, the way that this changed. Um, I think they took a ton of time. Um, tracking the vocals on this, I think, and they they did a really cool job. I think the vocals throughout this entire song are really cool. There's a lot of layering, a lot of I don't know if it's multiple Daves or if it's some of the other guys jumping in there and doing some vocals. Um, there's one part though I will say is when they when they do the so hungry, which might be going on right now. Yep. Um, they use like some weird effect, I don't know, like the echo. Oh no, the junkie effect. for your love. That's when they do the echo thing. Oh, is there another one too? Uh, yeah, it's. That was still cheesy. Just I, I wasn't a fan of that. I think that was overproducing there. I love the layered vocals, but the effects, I'm not... I think that was overdone. Um, I don't know. Do you have any comments on the vocals or on the effects there? Yeah, I, I, the, the the production is... is it's, it's not poor. It's just, I think, a bad decision. I, I don't think it's well-produced. That Then again, I don't think it's a good song at all. I think it is a throwaway live jam. You know, I'd probably have the same thing to say... If they if they put loving wings on album, you're surprised by this, Joe. Yeah. This 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 song is is terrible. It really this is. song is awesome. This song is really good. I like wow. I like this song. The Carter is awesome on it. It's super funky. It's fun. It's catchy. I love the vocal tracking. Um, at the end, it's super simple. It, it reminds me kind of like um, you know ants horn simple or Gray Street riff simple. It's super simple that makes it catchy. Oh, um, you know and. You know, they, they, they've changed this song. It's so much better than what it used to be. I love the Carter. And the part that I'm really digging in this song is this, like, um, refrain. that uh, in, the, in the refrain, like, this uh, call-and-response vocal piece that, that Dave does, I, it, I dig it. It's so fun to sing. And Dave's been doing it live, too. He's been doing his own, like, uh, call-and-response in the, in the refrain on this. And I think it's a nice touch. I love the end, the end kind of Carter thing. So... You will be, you will roll over in your seat right now when I say I gave this song a rating of an A. I well, like it a lot. 
Well, let me tell you something. You're in a good place when it comes to this band because according to Mark Batson in this making the album video that popped up, right. this is what Dave wants the band to sound like now. Yeah, I, I mean, if I heard that from Dave, I right? It would be more, I mean, I, and it's coming from Batson, and you know, is that is is that an extrapolation of some kind of conversation, or was that the actual words he said? I, you know, I I don't want to read too much into that. I mean, it is it is a data point, but. Um, if this is what the band sounds like, I mean, I like it. I think it's fun. Well, you certainly are tr- are being truthful when you say you don't listen to the lyrics because this is this is just a mumbling dribble. It really is. Probably this, is. If if his lyrics, I mean, again, you you say you say comparison, right? You don't want to compare one to one, but but take almost any song, even the most poppy song on uh, before the Scottish streets was stay. But that that was at least, you know, that was playful, that was summertime, and it was still interesting lyrics. This is now coming to love you, can't stop, mama, this and that. This It's nothing. He's not even saying sentences anymore. Do, do you like Granny? That's a chorus. Do you like Granny? The whole song is is, is, is that. If you like, you know, American Baby intro, there's freaking no, there's nothing in there. It's still a great song. I don't know why it has to be complex storytelling poem writing singing lyric writing uh for it to be a good song yeah yeah i uh i i stand by it i give the song a uh two out of ten it's I don't two know, out of ten i couldn't, couldn't I, I, disagree why, more like i said the song's terrible in my opinion and uh and this studio version does nothing except taking up a spot for a song that should be on here like a shotgun or anything else and just so I know, so two of ten will mean if you ever listen to this album, you will just hit skip on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I already told you I go right to track. I don't know. I skipped the first four or five songs in the album uh, out of the gate. <laughs> and that might change over the years. Yeah, that, that's how all this is. This is day. Th- this is three days of listening. Yep. And uh, everything, songs in here will grow and we'll, we'll like more. And we didn't really realize it. Some of these songs will trend down. Now let me go way we'll, back, away from the yeah. world. I, read, I went back and read my review. And I wasn't yeah. critical of that album at all. I gave it a 4.6 out of 5. Now, if I had to revisit that, I would say well, I'm probably more at a 3.8, 3.9, right? Uh, there, I have had in the past a tendency to overrate, to jump the gun a little bit. Um, and I think I might have lost Joe, so if that's the case. Oh, there, he just came back. Anyway, I, I've had the tendency to overrate in the past. Um, and going back, I'm reading, I'm like, boy, I should have maybe been a little more critical there. But uh, this is certainly, you know... I wanted to be excited. I am excited about the album, so I'm just coming at it from a little different angle here. Um, But yeah, two out of ten for Can't Stop. Can't stand it. I love it. A A for me. Okay. That's why we're here, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Joe, I'll let you intro the next song. Oh, why do I have to keep intro? All right, right, here, the the next song. Oh, well, uh, intro, the next song on the track. I actually don't have it. Let me get it. I don't have it up. I Set have him my up other and Joe no- knocks him down. I don't. I didn't have my other notes up. Actually, for whatever reason, that brought. Oh, here it goes. Okay, so the next track, "Here on Out," produced by Rob Cavallo, written by Dave, was recorded in Studio X in Seattle again. Um, personnel on it: Dave, along with some guests on the strings, uh, bass, flute, and horns. Yeah, and actually, not the rest of the Dave Matthews Band. Other players, yeah, other guests, not the band. Because um, you know they, they were they were too busy to record on their own album, um, and uh, so another Dave solo track. No other band members on it. What what are your what's your read on it, uh, Matt? Um, it's a wedding song classic. Well, not class. I mean, it's going to be Dave Matthews Band fans' wedding song. 
That's so fun. I well, I asked. I put that in there. I was like, "Will this be a wedding song?" It, it, it's not really a tearjerker or anything like no, that. No, but it's... I mean, it does pull the heartstrings. Like, it's gonna sound funny. I'm out walking my dog, 13 and a half years old, Muggsy, and mm-hmm. I'm I have the my uh, I have my my AirPods in, and I'm just walking and I'm listening to one of the first listens of the album actually, and I'm okay. like, eh, it got it pulled on me a little bit, just. Not like the lyrics literally, right? But the tone of the song had me very nostalgic and contemplative, oh. right? Good. Oh, wow. That's good. It I did. did that hit then. It did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say the horns, they're, the, they're not the band. So I, I had on here before I knew it was not the band. I said the horns were refreshing on it. They're very subtle. I think the strings sound great. Really, the strings make the song because Dave's guitar part is very simple. It's really the strings that kind of get it exciting yeah um but because of the strings i don't know what that means for this song live there's the song is so dependent on the strings to, to be full i don't know what this means for this song live um i wonder if the rest know. of the band's ever played it <laughs> right uh, that, they said, you know the band has said i think at least stefan has said he's excited to play every song on the album so he said he's excited to play every song on the album so i guess there is some assumption that either they have or there's some thought that they will do full band interpretations of the songs that are dave solo right Right. uh with that being said it does lose points because it is like you pointed out a dave solo track yeah i don't get it and it kind of another theme that i didn't bring up but I, I maybe disagree with you, Joe, is that if this feels like a disjointed album. It feels like there are four or five producers on this album all thrown in, and there were tracks picked from sessions three years ago and two years ago. That does not an album make, as far as that. The album doesn't need to be like a concept. It. it does not yeah. need to be a conceptual album. But there, but there usually wants you want there to be a flow, and this feels like you're getting pulled in all different directions on it. Um, and again, uh, it's kind of... Why would you not do this with Carter and and, and the string? Why? This I is a Dave know. Matthews Band album, uh, so yeah. I don't get it. I don't. That's I don't. Dis- get that's it. disappointing. I, I would agree. It is definitely pulled in a lot of different directions because of producers or whatever reasons. I'm actually okay with it. It's given some variety. Actually, um, it's a little jarring in some spots. I'm going to call out here later where I think it, it, it's jarring when you listen to it in order. But again, I think the order of the tracks was designed from a storytelling perspective you know again now we're at this point we're kind of at the wedding wedding part of it um of love and so um you know from that sense it makes from that point it makes sense and yes they don't they don't you know necessarily flow from a musical standpoint but i'm okay with it it adds some variety actually i'm thinking about it like i like the variety what's your kind rating pushing my best so my rating on this i went with a b minus um, it's good enough to just be above the sea for me. And I, th- and I think it's the be- better of the Dave solo songs uh, of the ones we have to choose from, mm-hmm. but I put it at B minus. How about you? Uh, you know what? You took my grade. I would, I would go there too. And I might even like it more had it been a full band song. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. Um, it's still in right now. Currently my, my skip zone. Um, skip zone too. Yep. It is. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, not bad standalone by itself. I am a li- I am quite annoyed that it's on this album. If I can okay. say that, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yep. we've kind okay. of talked about the Dave Dave solo. We'll keep bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next track is uh, the extremely polarizing "That Girl Is You." Um, 
there were people who had even said, I think you yourself said when this thing leaked or when it came out in Australia time zone, <laughs> I think you even claimed this was, yeah, it was you who said, I, I'm not positive that this is not somebody doing a bad Dave impression. I think is what you said. I, I, I could have, I, I could, it was, it was, could have been not him. What's how, your name, Joe? Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like Matt could have been recording and trying to do like a a leak to really throw off the throw off fans and just get get a huge laugh out of it just to troll them. Hallelujah! All right, that, that good. Could have been me. Could have been. Me. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what I would say about this is. Again, Dave Solo. Or did did you go walk through who does? Did you walk through everything on this? No, uh, I, I will. It's uh, it's produced by Rob Evans. I think his only track that he shows up is a solo producer. Um, Dave apparently wrote it. Uh, it was recorded at the church in Seattle, which I was just at church in Seattle, but I don't think it was that one. Um, <laughs> it is Dave, Rob Evans on the wah pedal and the claps. <laughs> so uh, Dave did everything on this album, which is. So unfortunate that Dave Matthews' band could not be available to record on this track either. Um, but uh, again, to my point, you've got the best drummer on the planet on the sidelines. Uh, I, I don't get it. We waited six years and a quarter of the album, the band is you know not even, not even on it at all, let alone the ones that they're on that I think they're not even on anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is I'm not a fan of the voice. I, I You know, I think actually... This song is better live. It's already gotten better live because the band's now involved. They got, I got like a dry, a dramatic entrance now in the song where the where Carter comes in and the band gets loud and it's completely different. I'm gonna rate it. I'll rate it from studio and I'll rate it from live too because it's definitely changed. Um, I'd appreciate it more with repeated listens, but yep. let's be honest. First impressions are everything. And if I were to play this song for like a not, you know, not a DMB fan that's gonna listen to an album more than once. They would, they would look at me crazy. Like, why do you listen? Why do you listen to this? Um, so, from first impression, it's a little rough. But if you keep listening to it, it really grows on you. I like it. I, the beat, the, the beat's catchy. Can't can't argue with yeah. that. Bottom line, this was a missed opportunity. This had so much. This had so much potential, um, and it was missed. It's good, and like I said, keep listening. Gets better and better. But imagine where they if they would have just maybe worked on it as or, a band, or maybe or like come in after three minutes. Now bring the band in and get the yeah. real, get a real solid beat going. Then the horns are going over the top of that. Really could yeah. have been missed opportunity. So I went with the studio. I went with a C on this. Um, it would first listen it would be less than that, but after multiple listens, I put it a C. Live, I already got the song at a B. Which is still not great, but I already got it's better. Um, I like it kind of as an opera, but so it's made it's made progress. But studio, I give it a C. You met? Ah, I'm with you on that, Joe. We agree again. <laughs> this is rare. So we just got to really get we got to get to the bottom of can't stop. Apparently, uh, we couldn't be more separate on that one. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that that I could I would have more of the community on my side on that too. <clears throat> no way, no way. We'll see what we'll see what Facebook uh, Live people say while we I talk do. here, but. Um, you want to jump to, uh... Yeah, you go ahead. Yes, she! Produced by John Alasia and Mark (laughs) Batson. You're not doing a monster truck rally. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like it needed it. Um, it's written by Dave and Alasia. Um, it's recorded at the Mill and Haunted Hollow. Um, also London Bridge and Synergy in Seattle. 
and The Village in L.A., so pretty much hit everywhere um, with the recording on that. Personnel on it, Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Tim, Sean. Um, Alicia's on the guitar, Mog, piano, um, and he's also, what else you got here? What's that? Baton on, oh, Baton on Clairvian? What? Where, what is this? Oh, Batson, sorry. Yeah. Um, and we got another got another trumpet player, Joe. Joe Fotheringham. On trumpet. So, I should uh, let you have that name. Blew <laughs> it there. I'll take my So, a little bit of everybody on this one, across all the studios. Um, what's your What's your initial thoughts on she there, Matt? Um. So it is is Pearl Jam and uh, Stone Temple Pilots to me, right? Sounds it sounds like a very grungy song. Um, I would say nothing like the band's ever put out. And from that standpoint, you you almost got to give them credit because it is a different sound. Uh, I don't think I want that sound uh, overall, and I find it to be another song where I get the same kind of vibe like Samurai Cop, where where is this going? Where is this payoff? And there really is none. Um, what? I don't. I mean, what do you want me to say, Joe? That's how I feel. I, no payoff. What are you waiting for? Are you wait, a song I, to get interesting. <laughs> it's catchy. It's, I mean, I think it's fun. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, I think it doesn't. It could use maybe one more element, but in general, no. You're I right. Just, you're, that's a great point. It needs one. There's something missing. I'm not saying the song's garbage or, or I hate it, but uh, something has not grabbed me yet. Um, I would say, like, if you follow up these last two songs, we we talk, we went from here on out, and then that girl's you, and all of a sudden she starts like there. It, this part to me is jarring. Like, it couldn't be more different. There's not even like a slow build up or anything. It's just like bam in your face, she. Which maybe that was intentional. And again, maybe just flow of the album, but it definitely jarring. I don't know if it's a good jarring or bad jarring. Yeah. Um, but uh, definitely needed to pick things up in the album at this point. Yep. We got the horn was, section going right now. As interesting yeah. as that is. They're, yeah, they they've now they now exist to some degree. Stefan rocks this. I mean, he is he's laying down, yep. and this is I feel like this is he's lo- got to love this song. It just seems like his style of music that he likes to listen to outside Dave Matthews Band to some degree, and it's right up his alley. Um, I really like the producing on the on the, the vocals on this on the refrain. I thought I think it sounds re- really good. Um, the the horns I think are not too loud in my opinion, so I think that's also good. Um, but it's pretty heavy on the keys, and I think all the Batson songs are probably going to be pretty heavy on the, the keys. And it actually has a a Batson solo right here. Yep, yep. I'm like, since when is when, when since when is the producer doing a solo on the album? Really? Is 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 that what we're supposed to be doing here? I mean, I like it, and now Buddy does it live. Um, but I'm surprised it's on the studio album. You have the producer doing a solo. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm probably, I'm, I'm indifferent to the song right now. Um, it's, it's part of that skipped version. And again, to, to make a note of the production, you should see the, the sound wave on this. It is wall to wall, top to bottom, this flat bar. So the loudness wars are alive and well. And, and this is a song that I think, right, you lose out on the depth because everything is just next. Um, I, I, I mean, it is, um, overall though. I, I like I like this song. It's catchy. I've been singing. I wake up and I'm singing this song not, not by choice. Just my head is singing it. And um, 
I like it, and it's gonna. It probably falls in the same vein of "Can't Stop for You" and falls in the oh, same no, vein no, of "Can't no, Stop no, for no, Me." Buddy. Yeah, this I, this song this song I uh, just like "Can't Stop." I have rated an A. Wow, wow, Mister Optimism. Not opti- optimism is okay. like thinking more of the future. This is really that's the song I'll give is it an A. A, uh, I'll give it a C plus. Okay, C+. and. I'll give that in stars so I can compare that to Can't Stop of two stars. I'll give it a, I'll give it a, I'll give it a four, four and a half maybe. Okay, all right. You know, there's a, there is a distinct possibility, Joe, that I just don't like the sound of the band anymore. The direction that they've taken. But there's so many different sounds on here. This is not like one sound. You just might not like that. There's though, like these two sounds. sounds. I don't know about one. <laughs> there's a couple. Well, oh, you know sounds what sound there. I haven't heard? My friend Jeff Coffin over here. On the sax, have you seen this man? <laughs> He's missing so far. I don't think I don't think we've seen him yet. Nope. <sighs> Do you want to jump into the next one? Certainly, I would love to. Um, this is an interesting one. This is I don't know if I want to call it polarizing, but this is the the one with the YouTube intro, according to <laughs> the producer. This uh, idea of use produced by Mark Batson alone, um, written by uh, Mark Batson. Interesting. Carter Beaufort, Stefan Lassard, Dave Matthews, Leroy Moore, and Boyd Tinsley, recorded at Haunted Hollow. Uh, the production or the personnel on this uh, on the album is Carter, Stefan, Dave. Leroy shows up as a tenor sax. Rashawn and Boyd. Uh, Boyd's only appearance on the album, by the way. Uh, John Elegia is on electric guitar and the Hammond B3 organ, and Butch Taylor is on the piano. Now, this song, we get the live intro. And what is debatably a good, bad crossfade into the studio version. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Rashawn said, let's start it the way we do live. I guess he meant, let's just take it. I don't know. It sounds weird. And yeah, then, I'm not a fan. If you want it to sound the way that you, if you want the beginning of this song to do it the way that you do it live, go ahead and record it in yeah. the studio that way. Why do we? It seems a little lazy just to say, let's pull it from a YouTube live track 47 slash come tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're going to overdub some parts of a, of a live tracks and call it a studio. album. I mean, we're being extreme here, but it's a studio album. Let's record. Let's record the intro. Let's let's not let's not let's not do something different. So one of the, the vibes that I've got from the community is this is a fairly beloved song. Is that right? Uh, it is. Uh, people do like this song. I don't know. I don't know how wide, but there there is a good following for ideas. I'm not on board with that. I'm not a hater. I don't dislike it, but it was never something that I was like, "Oh, great, we got idea of you at a show." It was kind of one of those mid 2000 songs that never really struck me. Uh, let's call it. Uh, what were the other songs that came out around this time? Shotgun. Um, what else? What else came around this time? It was all the all the bats and the, the four uh, songs were the four the oh four songs dance, were Sugar Will Crazy Easy, uh, yeah, yeah. was Kill the King in 06, like Kill a Preacher all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think um, Can't Stop was during the same time. As yeah, I Break Free. We all know how I feel about that. Yeah. None of these songs and this song sounds like Break Free to me in a way. Um, the horns uh, never really. It's it, I didn't love. I didn't love it. It was the beginning of the horn section, and uh, mm, no. Uh, overall, now I don't dislike it, uh, but I just don't love it, and I and I certainly don't I don't feel the same way about it that um, a lot of the community does. Unfortunately, yeah, I wish I liked it's it more. Int- it, this is a this Boyd has a big part in this song. 
Um, so it's really weird that, you know, now we have this and Boyd really isn't on there. Like, I don't know what's filling Boyd's part, um, if it's a piano that's doing it or, or what that sound is, but something's doing Boyd's part and I'm pretty sure it's not a violin. Um, mainly in the beginning of the song, the very start of it, but, um, you know, I found that I found that uh, strange. I mean, overall, Stefan and Carter's rhythm section on this, you know, just the, the syncopated beats and, and um, Stefan really make this song. It's what makes you dance to it. And I think Dave's vocals are real clean on this. Um, everyone at a show, live show loves to sing along to this. It's very simple and easy to sing. And so I think that's pretty quality here, a, song, a sing-along song, in a sense, which are very popular live shows. Um but overall, I mean, it's a good song. I don't know that we needed an album version of this. I mean, yeah, it's going to get more fan exposure and probably more people will sing along to it at a live show. So it's not a bad thing. But, uh, you know, outside of Stefan being a highlight on this track, um, you know, it probably didn't need a studio cut, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take a pass. I'll give it a five out of ten for me. I gave it a B, which is like my average. It was like an average rating. I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I just gave it a B. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's again an an odd choice uh, with with Boyd absent on the entire album. Why would yeah. they leave him in this one? And is it only because of the? Li- is he only on the live intro? Is that all we're hearing? That's all I hear. Yeah, I only hear it on the, the live intro. So why would they do that? <laughs> I mean, I mean he's clearly get, they made a decision to not have Boyd on the album. He was going to get writing credit on this anyway because this he wrote he was part of the song when it was written before. So you're already going to get writing credit. Um, does it matter if he gets performing credit too? Because um, they use that intro. You, you just you do. I hope they would not use the intro purely because they want to do a studio version of the intro, not because they want to get Boyd in there or not get Boyd in there. Right. And, and, I, I, I just don't think they, they cared to think about it, to be honest. And, and they used, they liked the intro, and it happens to have Boyd on it, so they have, they have to give him performing credit. Hmm. Well, that brings us to the first song that I kind of look at like, um, okay, what we got here? Um, <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why, don't you, why don't you spit out some production info for us? Give us a liner notes, Joe. Yeah, the yeah. Owner so- notes. <laughs> so we got Virginia in the Rain next, which is a song that the band has previously played live, so not a new one. It's been produced by Rob Cavallo and Doug McKean. Um, the written credits, writing credits go to Carter, Stefan, Dave, and Doug McKean. Um, it was recorded in Studio X in Seattle, and performing credits go to Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Tim, Rashawn. Um, with the lovely ladies backing vocals. Do you hear um, them? Um, so I put in my notes there. There's these O's, these ooh, and I actually put down. Is that re- is that somebody really singing, or is it a synthesizer kind of O's? Like I couldn't really tell if. So I'm, I guess that's them. It's got to be a troll, right? <laughs> They're gonna troll just via the. If they're not going to make it blatant enough, it's not really a troll, is it? I think it's I think it's a troll move. I don't think it's. You could have had Batson a... and Carter and Rashawn sing the, contribute what's really required out of that, whatever yeah. included. Yet they brought them in just to just to put them on the. I, I think it's a troll. Uh, I mean, in that sense, yeah. Because if I thought it was if it was not a synth and it was real, I did anticipate it was just like you said, Carter and Rashawn and somebody kind of doing 
doing the vocal track of that. I didn't didn't think it was the ladies and doesn't need to be the ladies like you're saying. So in that sense, I mean, they love them and they're probably like, yeah, screw you. We're going to choose who we want on here and we choose the ladies. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I actually woke up with this in my head uh, last yesterday or today or whatever, but um, it is one of the only songs that kind of feels like there's a little bit of room to breathe. Um, whether or not that's filled sufficiently or or interestingly enough, uh, I, that's up for debate still for me. Um, I am. This is a song I'm really still very up in the air on. So my rating here might be very, you know, certainly subject to change more than most. Let's get the rating out first. Let's hear the rating. I'm feeling like six and a half to seven right now. Okay. They definitely wanted to sound like radio. I know Dave's got some Radiohead influence, and this is one of those songs that's almost a direct, uh, a direct, you know, kind of pyramid song feel. I know we talked about that way back. Yeah. Way back. We did. Um, I, I think what's really interesting is they've they've reworked this song before. Why we called it pyramid song so much is because it had that kind of hypnotic organ that just Dave was playing. And it was the most prominent thing and really loud, and that's all you really heard. Well, in this studio cut now, the studio version, Dave is really quiet. The organ, the, the organ piece there is, or I know it's not an organ. I'm forgetting what the, the the key piece of it is, but it's very quiet. Um, the focus here is Stefan and his funky bass line. Um, that's now the loud thing, and it's awesome. I love it. He, this is like Stefan Star. I he's think had like a great, he's had a great album. Yeah. Yeah, this is like Dreaming Tree kind of like Stefan just kind of he is just all about all front and forward. And then you got Timmy adding these like atmospheric kind of additions that are like very dreamy and sounding. You can call that maybe the Radioheadish kind of piece of it. The, the horns are very like low and foggy and deep and they're not like in your face, which oh, so refreshing. Thank I think that's perfect. And while all that's going on, Carter's like finding these little spots to do like mm-hmm. hi-hat frills for like a whole measure or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, we talk about ratings. I think that this song based on how people view, view this song is actually a bellwether for the whole album. Mm. You're, you're, you're kind of different on that in this sense, because you're kind of given this a high rating and you've given a lot of stuff low so far. But I feel like if you can get yourself to like this song, You've overcome a lot of maybe stigmas about the existing songs, like Can't Stop and Well, I like the skeleton of this song, but I feel yeah. like the guts are missing. Adam Sokoloff from Facebook says, Love, love, love the song. Would have loved some Jeff interludes or a solo. And I think you could take that comment and apply it yeah. to so many things in this album, and and it feels like a missed opportunity. This song is not going to be a monster live ever. It just doesn't have the pace or the grabbiness to it. Um, yeah. So you really got to nail it in the studio, uh, and they did. I mean, and, and and it's it's very thin. I think it's very thin. Uh, that being said, I, I like it. I just wish there were more layers to it. I like the layers. I think. I mean, I, I mean, yes, there's maybe one more of some cough, some coffin layer would be nice. But Stefan's up front, and the layers are. Timmy's got layers, the horns have got layers, you know, the trumpet's got um, layers, and Carter's doing these interesting frills at different points. And I think the second verse, they then turn up Dave's organ a little bit, but then they turn it back down for the remaining of the song. So I, I like the layers in this. I'm just going to give my score at this point. This is my this is my uh, A-plus on the album right now. Wow. Um, yeah, this song has completely changed, and I was, I was a fan of it before, um, but everything they've done with it, I think this song is great. I really like it a lot. And um, 
I, I don't know that everyone feels that way. And like, like I said, I think that you could be a bellwether for how the whole, if you can appreciate this song, um, you could probably appreciate the whole album, um, would be my, my take. Interesting. I like, I like your read on that. I like your read on that. Uh, and again, I don't, doesn't jive with how I'm doing it, but, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably at a, well, I'm probably at a B on this one. B. Yeah. B. I mean, that's good in your, that's good rating for Matt. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, like if, you wanna do the, if you want to do the curve, like in class, like I just aced that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did with my A+. a plus. Ah, yes. That brings us to our next track. Yeah, this is, um, I'm excited to talk about this, actually. Well, why don't you do the uh, intro to it? Well, this is uh, Again and Again, also known as original name is Bob Law. Um, in fact, the song's not even copyrighted as Again and Again, at least as far as the database shows. It's still in there as Bob Law, actually. That's funny. Yep. Uh, this is produced by Rob Cavallo and John Allegia. According to the Bob Law uh, registration, it was uh, written by Dave alone, uh, recorded at Studio X in Seattle and the United Sound Studios in Hollywood and The Village in L.A. Is this band just recording pieces and then throwing them over the internet to each other? I mean, really? Three different studios? <laughs> it's, I, I don't know well, what's... It's, I, it adds to the disjointedness of this album, I think. Well, The Village is Alasia's studio. So I think anything that has Alasia is going to have The Village to some level. Okay. As I know, and I know it's in L.A. Dave flies to L.A. and I think spends okay. time with him out there a lot. So, And then I know Batson does a lot in Haunted Hollow in Virginia. And I guess Cavallo must be doing a lot in Seattle because yep. it seems to match up. So I, I think it just depends on where the producer is, and it sounds like Dave will go where the producer is. So we've got uh, Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Tim, and Rashawn on this. Alagia is on the Moog. He's uh, the lovely ladies apparently are backing vocals on this, and Louis Conti's on percussion. Carter's written down as drums, and Louis Conti is percussion. Let me tell you, if I'm looking at Carter and I want a fancy word for what he's doing, or really, he's percussion, I would think, but. <laughs> they yep. call Louis Conti as perc- a guest percussion and Carter as drums. But again, this is another lovely ladies backing vocals on this. And and uh, a lot of strings on there. The, the credits are quite long. Um, similar credits to what Samurai Cop has. And the horns arranged by Rashawn Ross. Um, and not speaking personally here, but just in terms of the effect on the music, um, I think it's no secret that I think the trumpet doesn't sound great in this band. I think it does nothing but serve as a massive wet blanket to Jeff Coffin and the sax jazziness of that of that side of the stage. And mm-hmm. it's just funny to see the horns arranged by Rashawn Ross on most songs in this album. And we've got my missing friend Milk Milk Cart and Jeff oh. Coffin here. Are uh, you are you implying something? Rashawn Ross arranges the horns, and guess what? The horns are the most missing part on this and boring on this album. What can I say? I'm just I'm judging based on what I'm reading here. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather them be this style than like two up front. I mean, they're they're yeah, I guess they're a little more in front. And listening back to after some of your comments and as it list, plays in the background, I guess maybe it's a little bit more forward than my initial thoughts were. But I, I was okay with the, with the horn mix. I thought it was a little quiet and and good. Number one, again, Stefan MVP. Um, He's doing some like kind of bass effect on this. It's not just you know. It's he's got his pedals in front of himself now on this on for live stage, and he must be using some of that now. Um, I think it sounds really cool on this. It sets the tone, makes it kind of muddy and kind of dark. And um, Timmy also Timmy's little 
you know, swipes, um, I think really, really make this song too. So I think it's Stefan is like the really cool bass on this. And then Timmy is like, adds this so crisp element on top of it. Um, and I, and, and I said all of that, not even judging the song again and again, I even gotten around to it. My favorite song on the album. Yeah. By far. Great track. Great track. Love the, I actually really like the production on this. Um, I love that first drop off the verse and then boom, here comes the chorus. Yeah. yeah that I love I like. that. And then the very next, uh, the very next verse, there's that stop, tick, 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 and then they go back. I, I, yeah. I, I like the it a lot. Music cuts out and then do the drop and the chorus. I really like that. Um, I, and small, like a random small note on this, they fade out the end of the song, as opposed to like hard ending it. It just kind of fades out, mm-hmm. and I think that's a nice touch. I like how that how that ends up the album is just fade out. It's funny you say that. There is another song on this album that we'll get to that I wish they actually did fade out. Uh, and they didn't, but I, I like your point. I mean, normally, obviously with live, you can't do that, right? Like the stone keeps going on the album, but obviously they have what ends up being one of the coolest <laughs> endings to any song they play live is the stone, right? But it, it's nowhere to be found on, on Before the Scottish Streets, and that's fine. Um, normally, you want a song to wrap up, but I, on some albums, I think it works on some tracks uh, that it, um, you know, it works with the fade out. So I, I agree with you on that all the way. I gave this one an A, um, so it was right up there with uh, Virginia in the Rain. Um, I thought I really liked this song, too. Yep, yep. And then that brings us to, oh, you give it an A. I give it an A as well. Nice. I'll give it an A. Two A's. I'll give it an A. And then, of course, <laughs> let's just let this go. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was uh, Joe was right when he when he guessed that that was a uh, a, p- a truncated version of "Be Yourself." Uh, we got it, but uh, I mean, well, okay, I'll, I'll give the intro on this then. So this yes. is produced by Rob Cavallo. Uh, as far as we know, it was written by Dave. As "Bikadikadikadika" uh, is not registered as copyright, but uh, um, "Be Yourself" is, and it's written by David John Matthews. Uh, recorded at Studio X in Seattle. Uh, Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Tim, and Rashawn. Cavallo plays on the Wurlitzer and Louis Conti on percussion. What's a Wurlitzer? Should I know what that I is? I think it's a synthesizer. Okay. Or it might be that. It's a brand of synth. Right at the very beginning. Got it. It's probably that. Um, <laughs> it's the most interesting 27 seconds on the album. <laughs> the most interesting? Yeah. It's the most packed 27 seconds. It's packed. Seconds, it's though. awesome. It, there, there are so many things poor. There are so many things wrong with the execution of this. It just kind of, for me, sums up the album. Of course, they only give us twenty-seven seconds of the most interesting stuff on the album, and then of course they make it its own track. Why is this its own track? It shouldn't be. It's. I said the exact same thing. This is, should not be a track. It shouldn't have a name. It right. shouldn't be tracked. It should just be a. What do we call them? The segues. Uh, at the. It should be at the end of one of these tracks, just kind of silent, gap, and then played segue into the next song it should not be did you see dave out. talk about this on the sirius xm interview uh, i saw that it was on youtube they did a clip on it so i, I think feel I like did. he relishes the fact that he's giving you the finger by stopping it at 27 seconds oh 100 100 what is that about 
I'm supposed to sit here and say, oh, I love you, Dave, and stick me Carter and this and that, and you give me the finger after $125 for a ticket? Stuff like that. No, this is, it's just, it's, uh, it's uh, amuse-bouche, you know, it's, it's, what? it's, it's, it's amuse-bouche. It's supposed to leave you wanting more. It, it's, it's, it, that's the intent, you know, you, the, why you're upset and why you want more. That was exactly what so, it's intended to do. And it's not as a middle finger. So to that point, I totally agree with you because the, the interludes on BTCS, the end of each yeah. vinyl side, essentially, yes. leave you wanting more, but you yeah. get more on the next song. <laughs> You well, don't get the tracks from Come Tomorrow. Oh, well, okay. But it, it, but it's still just a small thing, and it's not a whole song. You know, I think people are being hypocritical about this song, to be honest. I, when Be Yourself came out, it, people oh, hated yeah. it. Oh, yeah. They couldn't stand it. And now, all of a sudden, we put it as a 27-second interlude, and now it's the best thing ever? What, if what you look at it that way, I agree with you. Your point and, is, and and yeah. and you're like, no, they picked the best 27 seconds of the song, and, th- and that's what they kept. Uh, again, I'm calling BS because the part that people made fun of the most out of that song was the dicka 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 thing, and they're like, are you serious? That that's the lyrics now? That's the part I made up. So uh, people are being hypocritical. I don't know why. There must be something different here. There must be something more um, to explain that. But how can we go from hating it? to now all of a sudden people raving about People are saying it's not the same. And I I agree with what you're saying. But is is the beginning of that in terms and I would say let's leave the bicka dicka 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 but the actual jam, right? The the basically overlapping beats that Stefan and and Carter lay down, because they're not on the same page and yet somehow that works. Yeah. That wasn't the live version. That's not how you would define the live version, right? It didn't sound um, like that. To me, it's. To me, it's. I mean, it doesn't seem that much different. Um, I mean, I, I guess I maybe need to study it more, comparing live to this. You but... have to listen to the live track all the time, Joe. That's what you're. That's your homework for tonight. You got to listen to <laughs> "Be Yourself" live over and over again. <laughs> Actually, it's in. It's in. Um, it's in the uh, DMB Hub. I'll just listen there. Do it. We got that playlist up there with the live versions of the speculative tracks for the album. Yes, and and be yourself is there. I mean, uh, bottom line, I think we hit on this. I actually say that this song is not rateable. It, it is not. It doesn't deserve. That's a right. Rating. It's not a track. We will not rate it. I, I, I so I call this not rateable, and um, we probably already spent too much time on it. We're probably feeding into it a little bit too much. Ah, okay. Uh, that brings us to uh, probably the most one of the most well-known songs that uh, before the album came out, right? Probably the most heavily played. Is that true? I don't know. That's an interesting comment because I would have thought I wouldn't have thought that. So I wonder. I mean, can't stop's got to be played more than Black and Black and Bluebird. I don't know. It'd be interesting to pull the the runs on those. But um, produced by Rob Cavallo, um, written by Coffin Dave. McKean and Rashawn Ross, so an interesting. Got the horn players and along with David McKean, um, it recorded in Studio X in Seattle. Um, personnel performing on it: Carter, Jeff, Stefan, Dave, Rashawn, Alasia on piano, and um, Buddy Strong on the uh, on the organ. Yeah, that, that's pretty sweet. I didn't know, realize he was on the album. Um, so Buddy makes it. Um, yeah, what's your what's your thoughts, Matt? Uh. I um, it's probably the most DMB sounding song on the album, and that might yeah. be just because of the horns. 
there actually is horns on this. Jeff is allowed a brief solo. They let him out of sax jail to uh, to lay it down. Rashawn must have been nowhere to be found on the on the horn arrangement for this song because Jeff is actually allowed to play. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I said it, the 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 soprano sax is just so refreshing on this song. It is and hearing yeah hearing hearing him play their soprano sax is just like. Yeah, it's maybe it's pulling on um, old DNB heartstrings or something. I'm not it, sure, but it, it might be. Really and you know what? In general, you throw the, you put me in front of this uh, before the album. Do you care for Black and Bluebird? Eh, it's a it's a Dave solo song. It's a Dave song at the at the concert. It just doesn't really get me up. Um, yep. This is in my. I don't think I think I diverged from you on this, but uh, I like this song. It's um, it's kind of upbeat, a little happy. Uh, it's pretty. It's uh Maybe maybe it's called because the name Bird is in it, but like Little Red Bird, <laughs> kind of it gives me the similar kind of vibe. Um, I like it. I, I, I'm going to give it a, a a B plus probably for me. Okay. The funny thing is, is I don't recall. I was going I was going to say I don't recall anybody at me ever hearing anybody ever say. I really want to hear Black and Bluebird tonight. Um, right. I, I can't. I can't think I've ever heard that. And so I was going to say that. And wouldn't you believe it? Walking into Bristow, I heard somebody say they wanted to hear Black and Bluebird. Um, it was a female, and I was like, I stopped in my tracks. I was like, Did somebody really say that that was the song they wanted? To hear? I just didn't. Never thought anybody would pick this song to that they want to hear. That's for me, great. for me. Oh, hang uh, on. What? What you got? I can't just let oh. it go. I, I couldn't allow the only appearance of Jeff Coffin on the album to go by the wayside. <laughs> I wanted to properly honor him. Um, Come back soon, it, Jeff. The reason this is on there might be for what you just said, and that it's it's to have some older DMB sound on the album and not not completely alienate from it. Maybe that's why it's here. Um, for me, this is my skippable um, song. Um, I don't know that they did anything that exciting that I haven't heard um, in in live recordings or anything else. Um, so for me, I, I, I gave this a C. Um, okay. um, it probably could have been a C minus, but I still like the old DMB sound, so I gave it a C, and I say skippable for me. Okay. Okay. Well, that brings us to uh, another one of the interesting tracks I feel on the album. You wanna you wanna intro this, Joe? You gonna plug it over to play? Yeah, we're playing. Is that my chair creaking in the background? <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad joke or, or a real question. Yeah. Come on, come on. Produced by Batson. Written by Matthews and Batson. Recorded in Haunted Hollow in Virginia, the band studio. And playing on it is Carter Safan, Dave, Rashawn, a whole bunch of the string mm-hmm. players and Butch is on the piano and Matt's favorite line horns arranged by Sean Roth I don't hear many horns on this I'll say that um, the beginning of this song I love Dave's vocals there is a time for holding on there's a time for let like just it's, it's such a confidence and a clarity 
and the strength and the tone he comes in at, the note that he comes in at, this would have been a great uh, opener to the album, by the way. I'll say that. This would have been a great opener. This is a good late. And you know what? Let me tell you about an opening track and the first words being there's a, a time for holding on and a time for letting go. Speak to the fan right now. Speak to me. Do I hold on to the old song? Do I let go of it? It's a good point. That's and, yeah. And, and uh, I, oh, I, I, I don't I, think that's he's, he's, that's not what he, oh, I really like it. Yep. Yep. And and uh, the the uh, what uh, his vocal range and the, his control over the vocals on this song. Amazing! Like, uh, take it easy on yourself. Take it easy on. I, oh, I. It's very infectious. I, I really like it's it. And catchy, very and catchy. When I first went through the album, uh, well, I, I had what the advance of again and again rolled out before the album, right? I wonder if I would have said this is my favorite track if I heard this before again and again. It still might be. This might be my mm. favorite track on the album right now. Wow. Little strings here. Yeah. But but again, after they get through this, when they're about to go out of the song, and this is the one that should keep going, if you ask me, this should fade out. Okay. But imagine if before that, they let Jeff loose again, and he lays over with a tenor, just this rolling thing comes up over the top. I mean, yes, there's a chance to do that live, but there's no reason they couldn't have laid, they couldn't have made this track six or seven minutes long and done that on this album. Massively right. missed opportunity, I think. It's pretty interesting. The electric, there's like an electric um, kick drum or electric bass drop on there. It's kind of interesting that they, they use. I'm not sure how they're going to reproduce that, but it's pretty engulfing when you listen the album i really like when they when they drop it down into the shoot straight i really like yes. that kind of transition yes. there it's I, really, I agree i agree it's, it's cool bring down it's um, it's weird it's almost like you almost want to get ahead in the lyrics but yeah he's just he's, he's just pulling oop, back on the pull you back yeah 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 hold on hold on hold on great sonic sound the first time i listened to it was uh i think the night before a couple of the tracks leaked out uh or a couple nights before and I was at SeaTac Airport <laughs> outside Seattle, and I was sitting at one of the airport restaurants waiting to meet with my customer for an overnight cutover. And I was listening to this on the AirPods while eating the worst plate of pasta you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was in, a, in not the ideal listening conditions, but I still really, I really liked it. I really liked yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I think it's good. I don't know, you know, when that come on. I don't know who's harmonizing and who, who, who does extra tracks on there. I don't know if it's multiple Dave recordings or if it's, it's somebody multiple Dave takes. Um, it's cool. I like it. Um, I think they did. I think production on here. They did. They did a good job. They they spent time on it again. I think all the Batson ones actually. I think they spent a good amount of production time on, especially the vocals. Um, and I think they did a good job with with Come On Come On. Yep, it's surprising that Mark was one of the writing credits also, but. There it goes. I mean, I, I, if you if you said is this band better with the influence of Mark Batson or worse, I think you know I probably would choose the latter overall. But um, that's one that I don't know how much input he had, but certainly enough to get a writing credit, and it came out well. I really liked it. 
So I gave this a rating of an A. Yeah, I would say it's an A plus for me. Whoa, A plus? No, no, no. You know what? An A only because they should have had other members of the band playing in this song. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Points you're missing. That brings us up to uh, this next track. And these last, uh, I, don't, I don't want no spoiler alert on how I feel about the, the tail end of this album. Oh, yeah, that, that wasn't a tell. No, not at all. Okay, so do you remember? <clears throat> Produced by John Elegia. I could not find any writing credits on this, but it's probably just Dave. I'm, or, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's either Dave by himself or, or Dave. Maybe one of his kids or something came up with it. Who knows? <clears throat> but, uh,. Um, this is recorded at a number of studios. The Mill and Studio Zen 3000 in Seaville, uh, London Bridge Studio, and in the Village in L.A. Uh, the personnel on this were uh, Carter, Stefan, Dave, Tim, Rashawn. Um, no Jeff. Uh, Elegia is on piano and the organ. And the horns arranged by Rashawn Ross. <laughs> um, what's, what's, your, what's your take on this, on this album, on this song, Joe? Um... I mean, I like the song. Um, it, it doesn't. It's it's fine. It's just a little quiet. It's it's they, the band doesn't bring a lot of something new to it. I, I've, we heard this song four or five times. Dave solo is how this song was introduced to us, or and, or Dave and Tim for, at Farm Maid, which I think is very uh, important. Actually, as far as the impression goes, it makes a massive difference. If something's brand new versus yeah. what you've heard already, that's a good point. Um, so. You know, I heard it Dave solo, and you know maybe I was expecting a little bit more from everybody else adding to it. So, you know, I don't have a ton of impressions on it. You? Uh, the the verse annoys me. His voice. Do you? Hmm. you? Oh, stop! It 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 sounds like a crappy song from a crappy Ben Stiller rom com. That's what it is. There's the there's the Rasan horn section right there that. It sounds like I'm watching a Long Came Polly 2 or something. Uh, I just... The woos in there, it's just... It's a goofball song, but it's not in a good way. I do not like it. It annoys me. Yeah, I mean, I mean the woos, I mean, it's catchy. I mean, people are going to sing that because it's like very memorable part of the song. I, I mean, uh, the people are saying, I think, that maybe this has some... Um, South America influences uh, from that kind of singing. The, you know, what, what's 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 the one? Do you remember the band that they that him and um, Trey Anastasio did something with down in? Um, I think it was South South Africa. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, I forget the name of the band. Maybe I should be looking at um, uh, Facebook Live to see if somebody somebody remembers. But I feel like some of the songs that that they did with them had that kind of. Ooh, you know. Um, oh, it's not Gray Blue Eyes, was it? No, no, no. These are. It was another band's song. Oh, uh, okay. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Dave and Friends. It was. Um. Yeah. I'll have to, hopefully, I can think of it. But it was another. It was a. a you know, a, a a different band's songs that they they played along with, and um, I feel like the the vocals were very similar, kind of very falsetto and. Mm. Like that. Well, Ben Baldwin says he loves a chorus, and and that reminded me of another point I wanted to make. It sounds like two songs. It sounds like the verse and the chorus were com- created two separate different ways, and then just kind of slammed together. Because uh, really? I kind of the chorus was kind of fun too, uh, but uh, the 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 verse drives me bananas. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, that brings us, I mean, that's track number, what, 12 on the album, I think? Um, and that brings us to the penultimate song on the album, the title track. Um, Come Tomorrow. You're really get, you're really drawing out the uh, the playing of it here. So produced by Bats and Alasia, so we got a little Bats and Alasia combo. Written by Matt uh, Dave Matthews and Batson. Recorded in London Bridge Studio, Synergy Studio, The Barn in Maple Valley, Washington. Just an hour from Village, L.A. I'm losing you, Joe. You all right? Your music is very loud on my end. Oh, interesting. I'll bring it down. There we go. There. Um, personnels, Carter, Stefan, Dave, Tim, Sean, Alasia on vocals and guitar. Batson on Fender. And Randy Carlisle on the vocals makes an appearance. Where? Where? What do you mean, where? Is she solo or is she like echo him? She's, yeah, she's like right, right along with him. She's pretty, pretty prominent. Coming up. Oh, it's very obvious. Okay. Um, oh, right, right there? There you go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as far as I, you know. Okay. I, I mean, is that something that Dave couldn't have tracked to? It's like one of these things where it feels like they're wasting all this talent anyway. Which part is wasted? Who, whose talent are you wasting? Like, on the bike? like that could be Brandy, but it could be Dave in a different key. Yeah, but that's not wasting Dave's talent. Not Dave's that's... talent. Brandy's. Let her have a verse, or oh, something. You know what I mean? Let her have her. Let her do something more. Yeah, yeah. Another song with no Jeff, by the way. <laughs> and is that have to do with the fact that it says horns are arranged by Rashawn Ross? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is the worst song on the album by far. This is his vocals. It's it's boring, dry, toneless shallow in the lyrics don't even be started in the lyrics let's let the children lead yeah that's a fantastic idea i get being hopeful i get that you're a dad let's not say stupid stuff though and that's exactly what this is it's, it's i knew i i i hear a lot of people have that opinion and it's I, dumb I, I, it's i think i don't think he means it like that i we, we you know i think a lot of people read into it politically and i think dave made it very clear that he did not want this album to be um, political and yes, I think that line. Every a lot of people are reading it political. Again, in the story of love, and that this this album is love as a progression. This is I read it as the children lead is not from a political sense. It's more of a hey, when you're growing up, when you're with your family and you're getting older, there's a point where your kids start taking care of you versus you taking care of your kids. And at some point, you have to let go and be like, you know what? Actually, my offspring knows better than I do at this point. And that's how I read this. I don't read this as the political let the children So it's leave. dad rock, like Ben Belvin says again. Very, very yeah, this whole, al- this whole album is about <clears throat> love and the different uh, over from ha- having children born to crushing on your babysitter to getting married to lust to children your your children are getting older to 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 death i mean it, it progresses that way and this i don't read this as a political message though i think a lot of people are i don't have to disagree with you 
to stay to still say it's terrible music and lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going. I'm just going off of. I, I think people. I think too many people are making their opinion about this song based on that lyric. Hmm. Oh, it, it doesn't. And and that you'll notice that's the first time we really talked about lyrics the entire because <laughs> this one this one for whatever reason everyone's listening to this lyric uh, it, you know, it was an easy one it was an easy it's yeah. an easy way to damn the song that you feel like you might have damned already but it's just yeah. kind of like the the nail <clears throat> um yeah i just i find nothing interesting about it i find it boring trite uh flat and it's even like the end of the album i don't know why they keep doing this with these tracks on the end of the album but Put me to sleep and 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 give me a reason to listen to the album and not cut off after track eleven, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's not what happened here. And uh, I, I would give t- "Come Tomorrow" a D minus. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I go that low. I, I give it a B B minus. Wow. B minus. Yeah. B minus. Wow. Okay. Um. I, you know. It's. 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 It's it's subpar you know i say bbr it's just just right below there um and maybe it, probably because i expect more from a title track too um so i i a b minus is what i give give it really yeah all right so that brings us to our final track when i'm weary this one was uh produced by mark batson john elagia Written by Dave Matthews and Mark Batson. Recorded at London Bridge Studio and The Village. And the personnel is Dave, yet another Dave solo song. Mark Batson on piano. Krauss on strings. And Amy Sanchez on the French horn. This is the third Dave solo track out of an album with 13 songs. So basically, almost 25% of this album was Dave solo. And this is a 90 second track at that. Um, I was listening to number 34 on uh, in my car earlier tonight today i'm like well maybe that's how you end an album but these little <laughs> 90 second acoustic contemplative things i remember when last stop reprise was was how you close an album out like man it I, is it is a mellow close it, it sounds like a, a song though that would close an album i mean it's it sounds Finale-ish. It does. It does. Like, it's hard to like. What do you? Where do you go after this song? You really. This is more of a slowing down of a closing of the of the chapter. Um, Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of. I this song. I'd give a higher rating if it. If actually, I didn't consider it a track again. If if if, if this is just how. This is an un untitled song that just you know after after. 20 seconds of dead silence yeah. just starts. Um, I give it a little bit more credit, but being a titled track again um, on a DMB album. Yeah. Oh, I'm hearing. Oh, oh. What is this? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, for How those that aren't. For those of you that are not watching the video and just listening to this podcast. The other end of the video, not me, is now a person with a brown paper bag over their face, over their head, with eyes cut out and a frowny face. Well, we've reached hey, the Ms. end of the album, and it's time to give our grades. <laughs> and you're wearing a bag over your head. Anybody who's been a sports fan 
of a poor team or who who's put a poor season together knows what I'm knows what they're looking at right now. Wow. Wow. That is that is harsh. I'm only taking it off because I can't breathe. <laughs> Did anybody tell you you look better with that on? It's been said before. <laughs> wow, you're pulling out the brown bag. Yeah. Yeah. This was a uh listen I'm looking at things I, I want to like the album. I want to like these tracks, and I feel like I was even nice to Black and Bluebird. <laughs> like there are good things, but if I pop this album in, what what song am I going for? Okay, again and again and come on, come on. Two. Two. Who was uh listening to the band and going to shows in twenty sixteen and saying Bob Law is going to be the best al- best song in this upcoming album. If I told you that, would you have been pissed? Would yeah. you have been like, really? Like, not that Bob Law is bad, but if right. that was the pinnacle of what you're going to get coming up, would you have been psyched? I, I mean, I, I was on the record of saying I wanted all new songs, so um, that that's already a step in the wrong direction, yes. If, that, if you say that that's the best. Right. And it's an existing song. Right. I. I'm trying to think what I want to give this album. I want to give it two, two and a half stars. Wow. No, come on. You had things that were A-plus in there, and you still have to – they just discredit? They get discredited by everything else? No, they bring up the average. <laughs> From what? Without, without – what did you like? You liked um, Again and Again and and come sort on, of – Come on. And Virginia yeah, in the on. Rain, you know. You take those out and you, 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 that's what brings it up from a one to a two or from a zero to a two? I mean, that come Not on. Not zero. I mean, but like, you know – it's it, it, three is decent, right? Four is you're starting to love the album kind of thing. So it's not decent. Yeah. Two good songs don't make a bad album decent. Oh wow! I mean, they, I think the I band is. A, I think the band is in deep trouble right now, and maybe they're not. Maybe there's enough fans out there where it doesn't matter if someone who's been a fan of the band for twenty some odd years don't like the sound anymore. But I don't like the sound. I don't like the sound, and I don't like the decisions on this album that made us wait six years to hear a half-assed Dave solo album. Just say that that maybe the band's studio work is struggling. I don't know if I say I don't know if you, I don't know if you can have to extrapolate to the band, but if and you're again, this is your comments, not mine at this point. But why can't you just say the studio work is struggling? Well, because when I talk about it, I mean the new music going forward. It's not like they're going to go back and play two step differently. You know, it's not like it's not like two step is no longer in existence. It's not like Lion or Graves doesn't exist anymore. Now, mm. without a violin, there's a little bit of change to that too. Um, they can't. They can do whatever they want, but if they if they think that because Boyd is gone, they don't need to replace that sound, or that that they can go just into a piano based drums kind of feel here and become another mm-hmm. rock band in an album and then separate themselves from the pack with that sound, I don't think it can happen. Um, the The band doesn't need to stay the same because no band does throughout a 25-year career. But um, I also think that the pieces that made the band unique and people, um, people love them for, I think if you completely shun that, you risk losing that fan base, some of that fan base. Yeah. And, you know, that's their, that's their choice. That's, that's their artistic freedom. But I don't have to love it either. I, I wish I did. I don't. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely the sound of a violin or the sound of a saxophone um, is definitely not this album. And if those were your sounds, I, I can see how you could have a hard time giving this a good rating. Renate uh, Rossi says, Matt, if your child gets a 99 on a test, do you badger him or her for not getting 100? So they think this is an, a 99 album. And because it's not 100, I'm giving it crap. You see the kind of that kind of attitude. It's not right. Just because you might love the album. You got to realize that some people it might not do it for. Do you get that? Well, uh, and and so my my opinion's different. Um, I, if you look, go through my ratings, I gave five songs A's, five out of the thirteen A's. Um, so there's a good point. I got a lot of B's, um, and I think only one C, no two C's. Um, so you know, I would love for this album to be an A minus. And I think if we didn't have the Dave solo songs and we could have had something else, um, put shotgun on there or put something. I mean, that's, Uh, that's a big variable change, Joe. It's a big variable change, but, and that's why I think for me, the album after three days of listening, Mm -hmm. um, is not at the a minus point. Um, I'm going to have to give it a B plus right now. B plus. Um, yeah, I want it to get to that a, I like so many of the songs on here. Like I said, I got five a songs on here. Um, it's just those other ones have dropped it out of the A range into the B for me right now, B plus. And I, it feels harsh for me saying that because if anybody asks me, like the last couple of days, somebody asked me what the album is, I say I like it. Um, I, I have fun with the album. So, but if I just say, if somebody say, hey, what do you think of the new album? And I say B plus, probably people would be feel a little negative, think that sounds a little negative, maybe. Uh, but I think it's a fair rating, B plus, and we'll see how it grows. You know, again, three days, we'll see where it goes from here. But right. Um, uh, I'm going to enjoy the five A's that I got. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, Michael Klinge says album is a collection of leftovers and B sides. And I think there's, you can make that argument. You you could see where people would think that people could think that. Yeah. And I actually thought that for the longest time. And then I was just like, well, maybe it takes that long for the band to pull together music for an album. It's not that it's B sides and whatever. It's just the, the quality of a look they want to put together on an album, the songwriting takes this long to pull together. Because uh, I was the same way. It's like six years to come out with songs that we already know. Well, you can't really release an album two years ago, three years ago, if you don't have the, enough material to fill out the album. It just took this long to fill out the album. And because it took this long, some of these songs we've heard for many years now, um, and it gives you that B-side feeling. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I've i just seen what the band can or heard what the band can do in the studio, right? Um, yep. And I feel overall that they've lost their, I, they've lost their their work ethic for what truly makes this band great. You've seen in videos that the before these credit sessions that that basically almost broke the band, and yeah. the Lily White sessions, which kind of did break the band. Um, but can you imagine if the Lily Whites got finished by Lily White? Like if that went all the way through to the end, we yeah. could have been listening to an album better than before these credit streets. Truly. Um, and it's not to be, and I think ever since then we've we've seen a band that will not work hard in the studio, will not put their nose to the ground. That's how I feel. That's how it comes off. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's every member. I think I think Dave controls t- too much, and maybe other members would do it differently. But they're at the mercy of Dave Matthews at this point. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this album was recorded in a way like none other. All like you mentioned, all over these studios, um, piecing things together. You know, Dave puts down his parts in one studio, and the horns go out to LA and do theirs. There wasn't this, you know, what we talked about with I think Big Whiskey the crash too. Uh, 
yeah, where they all got together in a room and t- did takes and 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 figured out pieces. These were all songs that were not written necessarily together in a lot of cases. We went, we went through all the writing credits. How many of them had writing credits of the full band? It was just some of the older songs that were, were recorded in those previous sessions yeah. where they all did get together. Anything that wasn't from those old sessions, Dave wrote them. And then they went off and recorded them in different at different times. So I think the way that this album was recorded and put together, not putting everybody in a studio together, uh, influenced. Yeah, and um, Gina makes a point. They do work hard. And Gina, please don't misunderstand. Clearly, the band works hard. You see them up there every night on the stage, right? I am, oh yeah. I am absolutely. I'm absolutely separating studio the band energy, the live concert. I'm talking about their studio efforts and. No, I'm not in the studio with them seeing what's going on, mm-hmm. but taking everything as a picture, ob- observing, seeing interviews, this and that, it just seems like they don't have the stomach for what it really truly takes to put a gorgeously put together album out there. How many aborted studio sessions made up this album? A couple songs here from 2000, whatever. A couple I songs don't know. They're, they're not aborted. They just didn't make the cut. No, I'm saying... You've got four different producers because you went to the studio at least four times not being able to wrap it up before. It's not that they weren't able to wrap it up. I just don't think they made the cut of those albums. Whatever we talk about a sound of an album, and if, if Can't Stop doesn't fit the sound of the album, that doesn't mean it's a, it's a, it's, they couldn't wrap it up. It was just didn't fit for that album. Mm, I, think it's, I think it's a couldn't wrap it up in one set of sessions, which most albums – most bands do it that way. Not everyone. The process is different for everybody. But this is the first time, as far as we know, that the process went like this for the band. It's yeah, weird. It would, it, it was, it's different. But I think those other songs, I don't, I don't, just because they didn't make the album the first time doesn't mean that they were second rate. They just, there's a, probably a lot of good material that just doesn't make the album. And it's cool that they didn't just drop it and they, um, you know, brought it back and maybe it fits better on, on this album. Yeah, I, I, I can see how the, criticizing the band about their studio effort could be very sensitive. And again, like you said, we're not there, so it's hard to really know. I would just say as much as we can view from the outside, I just would think that they would all get together. Um, And maybe that's naive, but just why not, why not all come together and write a song together? Why so many Dave, why so many songs that were only written by Dave um, versus more songs written by the full band. Yeah. And this is not a binary thing. It's not like, okay, I'm done with the band or the band's done. We're judging it in the, the shades of gray here, right? That's the whole thing. And Matt, Matt Remeggi on here on Facebook's been giving me a little bit of a hard time, but he's saying that's why they are known for a live band, not a studio album. BTCS was that last beautiful album. Well, you're right. It was the last beautiful album. But don't put your hands up and say, well, oh, they're not a studio band because they've proven three times at least Three times, and that's pretty objective right there, that they can be an amazing studio band. Don't give me that just because they play 30 shows a year that I should somehow say, oh, who cares? It's a studio album. No, that is the quintessential. That's the thing that lasts and lasts and lasts. That is the opportunity to put it down perfectly and put in layers that you can't have live. We're going to have hundreds of live shows to listen to. The yeah. studio is a unique opportunity, and they've put out magic before. So I I refuse to say, eh, they're a live band. I don't care about the studio albums. I don't buy that whatsoever because they have set the standard, and now they're falling far short of it. Oh, it's just a different. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is more Dave solo. Like, I just think I add. I just counted ten of ten of the tracks were written by Dave. 
um, no other member of the band. Maybe they make some of them have the producer also as the writing credit, but only only band member as Dave, 10 of the tracks. So, you know, that's that's just I'd love to see mo- more of the band writing. Yep. Um, yep. In there, which is. And 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 Gene Marie, you know, a DMB album. Gene Marie um, Schwartzwalder says Dave says it's getting harder for him to write. And you know what? I'm not even going to critique the guy on that. It's it seems that way. And you know what? He's human, right? So yeah. I I that I like that bit of levity actually, um, because I can't imagine what it's like to have this success and what mindset you're in, and maybe it happens without you even realizing it, right? BTCS almost seemed like an album that the band didn't really have a grasp on really what was happening. It was happening to them. And they were just the ones carrying whatever vibe was going on there. And it was magic. But um, but I can certainly understand how it gets harder and harder. I mean, how much creativity does one person have? And I think lyrically is probably Dave's most difficult challenge. He said it. He said, I think he said something yeah. about passing a watermelon or something like that. <laughs> I think and maybe I don't remember more, that. Maybe a little more colorful way. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does seem that that it's it's more of a struggle. And he probably doesn't like it too. I know he, yeah. I, even before this crowd of streets, he said the lyrics were really a pain painful part. Uh, they came out beautifully, but but uh, that was twenty years ago. If you really distinguish between Dave Matthews and Dave Matthews Band, I think maybe you have some heartburn here. If you don't really over overemphasize the difference between Dave Matthews and Dave Matthews Band, then this doesn't mean anything to you. If you like Dave Matthews, then what we're discussing right now is all null and void if you are really focused on dave matthews band and like we talked about coffin playing saxophone carter contributing to horn stefan that's where i think some of this comes from again i give this rating this album uh, a b plus um so uh, you know i don't want to over focus on getting too negative here i i like the album and i have five a five yeah. um a song i'm at a c you know, i'm at a c yeah. it's not throwaway for me but uh, yeah. save for a couple somehow, of tracks. Somehow two, somehow two stars out of ten is a C. Okay, you'll have to fill, you'll have did to I say me two? On I thought you did. I said two and a half out of five. Oh, I was thinking ten the entire time. Oh, for real? Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, album ratings. I know we were doing I know you. I can see how you got confused, but two and a half out of five star review. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. Okay. Well, the brown bag probably threw me off. A is that bit fair? Too, but. Yeah, I mean that's better. I, I I thought you were I thought you were really down there when I for some reason when I was hearing you say two, uh, I thought you were like F, um, and then I wasn't really on the same page with you there. I think your C is a fair rating, especially given you, your opinions about things that you've been pretty clear about over time. So mm-hmm. I I think you know you've been pretty fair in, in mm-hmm. your rating there. The last thing I would say about the album, and and I would I'm curious your take on this, Matt, is um. Stefan has been quoted calling this out al- this album saying this album has all the feels. And when somebody says an album has all the feels, to me that means it has really happy ones and excited ones about this album. But if you're having all the feels, that means you're also having some sad or not happy things about this album. And I'm wondering what that sad feelings are. If it's, hey, there's no Boyd on it, or, you know, I'm missing Leroy, or could it be as extreme as the sad is, I didn't really get to write as much, or this is the last out, al- this is the last studio album of the band. So I have all the feels. I'm excited it's coming out, but I'm also sad because it's our last one. So I don't know what all the feels means. I mean, you could, you could also take it away as all the feels just means I get emotional. And and we're, we don't or overanalyze. I, I post it on Twitter like that. a fourteen-year-old who uses Snapchat all the time. It's probably what it's more. 
more you love, accurate. You love Snapchat. Yeah, so I mean, it might just mean, you know, I'm, I'm just overly emotional and not anything specific. But when I hear someone say all the feels, that means I have happy feelings and I also have sad feelings. And I think sad it's feelings, met really in a positive know. way. Okay. You know, I think it's, it's a, a love, all the love, all the feels. Okay. Well, I, I take all the feels in a, little, a different meeting. Um, <laughs> but okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope it, I hope it's not sad reasons. Ultimately, I hope it's not sad reasons because it's the last album or something. I, I like would agree with Kimber Mallet. I, I think you're reading too much into it. But oh, uh, I, I will I will I will definitely say that I am overanalyzing. But that's what we it says right here on the agenda. It's a very in depth analysis. So we, very is yes, very is like underlined. The in point bold. is we are we are going deep on this. Um, yeah, I. I'm disappointed. Um, I am still a fan of this band. I am cautiously, cautiously watching the direction that they take. Um, I hope that more of the jazz element is brought back. That's that's one of the things that it too. Forty one and all that sax is unique, and I love it, and it brings that sonic depth. And I feel like they're more of a a Coldplay sound, a Third Eye Blind. A, you don't really have that breathing going on, that stretching going on. That why that Black and Bluebird by itself dropped onto the other album that Jeff Solo was like, okay, fine. But I'm like, find myself latching onto it because it's the it's one so bit of that that yeah. that sax, that jazziness that I miss. I'm missing that. Um, and a couple of the songs like Come On, Come On, again and again, they have that scope, but it's still... It feels like a sax. Oh, it would so even the violin. It would so work on that, and they don't. But you at least you can feel the room for it. And a lot of these songs, I don't even feel where there's even room for it. And um, I think they've already they've already showed room live. Well, with these songs, yeah, I'm I'm missing I'm missing a lot of it. And uh, and if you're talking strictly about the music they're putting out new on an album, I'm really I'm really scared going forward. that being it's said, we'll different... always have the songs, and they're still playing. They still play songs from their the first three songs. They still play songs that Jane likes. Uh, you know, it's like the first song ever. So um, they do. They do still play their catalog live uh, to varying degrees of versatility. But um, right now, I'm I'm disappointed. I am. I wanted more. It's not like I'm sitting up here saying, "Yep, good. This album sucks." Uh, I'm so happy I was right. Like, no, man. I I want to love this stuff. I hear you. I know. Um, I don't know what to add to that. I can I hear what you're saying though, but yeah. Well, let's just take let's think, take a quick I, break I think, here. I think. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I just thinking. I think it's time to reset reset the gauge. I think we can't hold we can't hold on to that anymore. Or I mean, like you said early on, what, what the phrase from Come Tomorrow uh, is it? There's that, a time uh, for holding on and a time for letting go. Right, so oh. it's you can choose, you can let, you can move on. That's an option, um, but I don't think you can still hold on at this point. Yeah, I see. Unfortunately, my tastes are what they are. Right, I mean, it doesn't mean I need to change my tastes either. Right, like no yeah, one so, in the band needs to change what their tastes are. Or Dave, so, I should say, I should say Dave because it's very much Dave Matthews apostrophe <laughs> S band, not Dave Matthews band. It just seems that way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Now let's get that break in. Let's take that break right now. We have we have some awesome setless game. We have the bloodbath to talk about from last night. Bloodbath. We have to hope that Joe just completely steps in it on some names here too. So uh, 
I might have I might have landed laid some traps for him too coming up oh, in the notes great. here. We're gonna take great. like a quick a quick 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 break and <laughs> we will be right back.
are back. It looks like we got booted off Facebook Live uh, due to playing some copyrighted music during the break. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, Oops. so we're a little short on the live right now, but but uh, but we're back. Yeah, we've got the setlist game. Okay, so we wanted to end on a little bit of a light note here because uh, you know that review got a little heavy there towards the end. But uh, but we have had four shows since the last podcast. Things are really heating up in the setlist game. This is cool. I'm excited about this. This is quickly becoming my favorite segment of the podcast. Uh, remember, you still don't need to play every show to win. You can play a show and win, get your name announced, get a nice little badge on your DMB Hub app. You can play through the website, antsmarching.org slash setlistgame or the DMB Hub app on iPhone. Uh, again, like I said, we've had four shows since uh, since the last time we podcasted. And I remember uh, one of the things we had said was there were no 50-point um, no uh, scores yet. We are wondering who was going to be the first 50. Yeah, well, we got our answer the very next show. The Syracuse show, which is on 6-5. The winner was Penguin MRD with 54 points. Wow. Which is our current uh, our current tour record so far. Wow, 54 points. Pretty good. Yep. He had six, 13 songs picked. Six of them spotted. And the including the opener, I mean, boom. Uh, so we challenged that uh, that fifty pointer. We got Penguin MRD with fifty four, but TR the game fifty three also had fifty. Good for second place. He got thirteen picks as well. Five of them spotted, including the opener. So that one spot was the four point difference. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. They need that spots. One spot off the pace. So the tour debut was so right. 12 people picked it. None of them spotted. Good pick there. And the other tour debut, you might be trying, got 29 picks. Out of that, though, zero spotted. Uh, the average show score, the average score for the show was 24.73 points. It's not a bad middle middle range. It's quite high when you know when you look at the tour average, who ends up winning is about 30 points a game. This one was 24 points, not far behind. Yeah, I mean, that, the, having the high score is maybe doesn't surprise me for Syracuse. I think the set was a little predictable, um, and that's what helped get some of those high high scores and probably why it was rated the way it was. Um, but that went into Detroit on 6-6, uh, which was probably the opposite uh, because, you know, the highest uh, – it was the highest rated show, right, for the tour. Is that right, Matt? Um, that's right. From Showflow. Um, and at the same time of being the highest rated show, it was the worst set list game scoring show with an average of only 14.56. So can we read into that, you think, Matt? Uh, I think that's a direct correlation. Yeah, so um, they mixed it up. Nice job. Nice job to the band. And the winners with 30 points was the high score was Lori Cove 26 and B. Monco 22. Mm-hmm. All right. You didn't make it. Uh, most songs picked um, was our favorite, T Wigs. T Wigs. 1201 with 14 songs picked. Got another total of 29 points there. Uh, tour debut of um, Rhyme and Reason. 13 people picked it, coming making its appearance. So nice job there. And one even spotted it. So nice job to DM Lavo PA. Good work. Yeah. So that is a direct correlation between. Uh, a, a show that was tougher to predict, a.k.a. tougher to predict, uh, more dynamic, not predictable. So the score is low, <laughs> yes. but the rating is high. So 
band, pick it up, boys. Want to see the Keep variety? Want to see? We want to see some. We want to see some people struggle at the setlist game. Is what yeah, you're saying? Well, we got that coming up very shortly. Uh, the third show was Riverbend. Our average score was twenty six point five three, so very close to Syracuse. There were three scores that crested fifty. We have our winner of Keith B Kessler at fifty two points, and then Miro eight and Harry Carey both with fifty apiece. The top Close. eight finishers of this show hit the opener, closer, and spotted the closer. The top eight, bang, bang, wow. bang, all of them, all eight people got the opener, closer, and nailed the spot of the closer, which is just incredible when you think about it. Yeah. Yep, all eight. The tour, deba- tour debut of Fool the, Think, uh, Fool the Think, Yeah. eight people picked it. What? Okay. Yeah, wow. I don't know why. What made you think to play that? Nice pick. None of them spotted, but nice pick. Nice pick. Yeah. So, as Riverbend. So now we've got last night's show, Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube. What did you call this? Bloodbath? It's a bloodbath. Bloodbath. Because, what, on average, the band's playing 21, 22 songs, I want to say. Um, and because of the conditions of Bristow, they only played 15 songs. Mm-hmm. And um, when you go over on songs, you pick more than that are there, you get a three point penalty. Um, so you don't really want to overpick. And guess what? Everyone overpicked because no one could have predicted the bloodbath. So the average score for Jiffy Lube in Bristow was 4.71 was the average score. Um, that, that's how many were overpicked, Matt. Excuse me. That was how many were overpicked. The average score was actually 3.67, so even that's lower. Right. Yep. Yeah, so you, so. basically there was an average of almost five songs extra picked by everybody. Which wow. would mean the average was essentially everybody got a minus fifteen. Everybody. <laughs> that's hard to that's hard to come back and, from. And not only that, but you then have five songs that you don't have the opportunity to match up with too. Yeah. Right. So that, so you normally the land plays twenty songs, so that's five fewer songs that you could potentially hit. Well, and you get the and you get the penalty. So that average score three point six seven. Wow. That yep. is low yep. for an average score. Hard to overcome that. The winners had 18 points. That was the high score, 18. So nice job to uh, BD Fresh 62 and Two Step Crash. Your guys' picks were apparently the most. Um, what, would you, what would you call it? Like uh, they withstanded uh, some 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 beating up. They you did. Know, they, I mean, they, think of it this way: they had those penalties. So without the penalty, that's right there is third. They're up to 33 points, right? And that's not taking into consideration what they would have hit and or spotted mm-hmm. with those additional five songs played, too. So 18 out of that is super respectable. Yeah. They, they, they did some – they were pretty crafty in their picks that were able to weather that storm. Hint, hint. Um, uh, and then what do we got here? Um, STLA5, who is a plus member, plus uh, ended up with eight total points. Um, so, uh, picked 13 out of the 15 songs, but because, uh, it was overpicked by six songs, um, and didn't have any spots that resulted in why I only got eight points. So man, that's crazy to pick 13 of the eight, 15 songs and still only end up with eight points and the winners had 18. So that hurts. That hurts. So those were our four shows. Where does that put our leaderboard, Matt? Well, our leaderboard is really getting tight. It really is. So we've got uh, Fonzie, 5888. Now, in first place with 339 points, an average of 28.25 points per show. Right behind him, Penguin MRD, the aforementioned, 337 points. Two points back, 
28.08 average score. Four points back from him, and I say him or her, is Jimmy Thing 314 at 333. TR The Game 53 is at 327. And Crash 1983 plus, plus is at 324. I mean, between the top five, you're separated by 15 points right there. You're separated by the penalty that everybody got hit with, essentially. So, so Crash 1983 is all the way up to fifth place now? Yep. Yep. Wow. Making that a charge. Is a, that, is, that is a climb. Speaking of making a climb, here comes Seabiscuit, our horse. <laughs> Heartbreak, and we do not favor him in any way outside of just he's he's basically the Hulk Hogan of the setless game. He's got multiple belts over multiple years. And, and, and by the way, I got a message from Crash 1983. He has um, the most recent one for Dave and Tim. So Heartbreak Heartbreak uh, Kid Tony B does have the, the the most recent win for Full Band, but I shouldn't undermine Crash 1983. He has the most recent Dave and Tim uh, title belt. Ah, so he's basically got the Intercontinental, where where <laughs> Tony B's got the got the uh, the heavyweight. I like that. Yes. Okay, so anyway, so the heartbreak kid Tony B himself, he is now up to number twenty-four. I mean, we're wow. he's top twenty-five now. He's he's nationally ranked top twenty-five. <laughs> he's got two hundred and ninety-nine points. So he's only forty points back of the lead. Now here's an interesting wrinkle to that. He's done it with only nine spots all tour. He's only spotted nine songs the entire tour. That can't be accurate. No, that it is. Oh, okay. The the um the leaders, the top twenty or so, are anywhere yeah. between thirteen and twenty-one, twenty-two spots. You're mostly in the mid-teens. The he is one of the okay. only two okay. uh two players, the other being Crash into Nick DM plus member, hello Crash, um plus. at three hundred points. He's one ahead of Tony B. He's he's one of the only two to be ranked that high with only nine spots. It just jumps out at you. That when when he starts hitting spots, I know, that's the thing. So Tony's getting a lot of songs picked, but he's not getting a lot of spots, and he's still sitting top twenty-five. He starts nailing spots. This could be a blowout. We'll see. This is a tight race. I like I like seeing some new names that we haven't seen um, up here before. So some we got some got some competition this year. Yep, yep. So I mean, it's it's been really interesting. It's fun, and uh, we again uh, we're working on DMB Hub. Boy, almost round the clock. We're walking out a lot. I just got a push message from Facebook. Sony Music Entertainment blocked your video because it may contain content they own. Whoops. <laughs> well, okay. Now we have our answer. Sorry about that. We're just trying to play a little <laughs> bumper. Anyway, um, yeah. So DMB Hub, I've made um, some more advancements. It's not in the App Store yet, uh, this version. But on the Hub, you'll be able to get uh, live scoring. Um, on the live show page, so you can tap and, and see what you're scoring live as it's coming through. And then you'll be able to share your results um, for the game. or And even before the, uh, the, the, the show, you'll be able to say, these are my picks. So you can post it to Twitter or Facebook or iMessage or whatever you want. Snapchat, Joe, to make you happy if you want. You um, love it. They put it in your story. Is that what people do? The stories? Yeah, they, they put everything in their stories. There's Instagram stories now, too. So oh, don't, okay. you, can, you, can, you can now no longer only bash Snapchat. Okay, well, you can put it on. I, I only bash Snapchat because it's unusable. Instagram is usable. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, yeah, so, so you can share that. And then after, you can share your score and all the, your, the picks and the results of the game. If you gained the badge that won, basically, if you won the, if you won the uh, game, you earn a pick'em badge in DB Hub and your stubs. 
um, and some various stats about how you did. Um, so you'll be able to share that too. So it's we're really trying to improve things. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We'll be adding more stats as well, which should be pretty cool. So I'm yeah, that's, to that. that's been a lot of fun. Cool. Looking forward to those. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of our longer podcasts. We are well over two hours now, and we really appreciate everyone sticking with us. I mean, there's got to be something better to do on a Sunday night than listen to us and look at Joe. <laughs> That's why my, I power, my power is flickering at the moment, too. I don't know if you can catch it on the video, but um, it's probably uh, a little indicating that... Uh, probably a good time to uh, wrap. <laughs> probably a good time to wrap before I lose power. We got... Massive downpour about 20 minutes ago here. I was looking out the window. It just start, I, I don't know if the microphone's going to pick it up, maybe. I, but, I thought I heard something that I thought was a fan, but it must have been in your downpour. Yeah, it's probably exactly what it was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, sorry about the, the hiccup on Facebook Live, but thank you to all the people on Facebook Live who joined us. and, and yes, uh, thank and, you. And followed along and asked your questions, made your comments. It, we love that dynamic. Um, you know, obviously, you can listen to us on, on iTunes or um, Overcast, any of your podcast apps. Uh, you know, you go ahead and, and listen to us there. But if you happen to be here live with us, we really appreciate it. It does add a fun live dynamic to it. So we really appreciate everyone joining along and giving your feedback and cursing us down or supporting us. And Yeah, a lot of cursing. A lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, you got anything else you want to say, Joe? No, cheers. I'm, I'm curious. I'm excited to see where the next part of this uh, tour will go. Um, we got Camden and uh, and uh, the New Hampshire shows coming up here. And um, now the album's out. Will it eventually start getting more album heavy? Well, there's be more to discuss, and we'll let, we'll see how these new songs start to uh, start to become live and how they adapt to the live versions. So, I'm curious to see how many people pick again and again for the next show opener. I you got to think that's a layup, right? Yeah, or you can be be ballsy and and call it not. Come, be on, a come big, on, or something. You know, you talk about you talk about differentials. If you think everyone's going to pick that, and you want to try to get a differential and try to get a big big jump from the competition, that might be the time to pick something different than uh, than that and hope that it happens. Right, right. You make a big jump on the competition. I was requested know. to close out this podcast with a bag on, but I'm going to leave it out. I think I gave enough of that. I think that <laughs> the point was made. The point was I made. I do like the missing, though. I, I, the missing, I think, is is, is, is cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for joining Joe and I. We really appreciate it. Um, this has been uh, Ant's Podcast 92. Uh, go ahead and review us on the iTunes store or the podcast, whatever, however you find us. We would love a review. We are the largest DMB podcast on the internet. How about that, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to the five viewers that make us the, the number one. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the internet. Show downloads, tour central, personal show stats and set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB. Thank <laughs> you.